Hello and welcome to episode 303 of The Creighton Crowbar. It is the 21st of November 2019. My name is Chris Thurston and joining me tonight are Marsh dealing with the vanilliness of this little rum, David. <laughs> it was very affordable. <laughs> Alex leaving the bag in his Redbush tea, Wiltshire. Good day. <laughs> And Tom, hi Tom. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's like syrup, but it burns like fire. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine it's more burny than most of the rums we've had. It isn't is. It? Yeah. Imagine if Coca Cola could go off. <laughs> yeah. Combining all the fire and all of the sweetness. Of I'm the not very fully well. sure it isn't just Coca Cola mixed with rum. Actually, it does feel like rum and coke yeah. in a bottle, but it's not marked as such. No. And it is meant to look like Kraken rum, but without with a legally distinct label. Mm. So that's good. <laughs> They've solarized it, basically. <laughs> um, so you'll note an auspicious episode number, 303, on this, the mm. 21st of November. What happens if you add two and one together? N- number three. Wow. Uh, yeah. What happens if you add 11 to 2019? You get 2002, 2030. What's in 2030? <laughs> that's right. That's the third three. Don't count the two threes in the title <laughs> of the podcast. That would make it the fourth three. Just as like there's four of us in this trio of podcasters. <laughs> the point is, yeah, it's a big day for gamers everywhere. <laughs> because Valve have finally, 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 after it was leaked, revealed Half-Life Not Alex. <laughs> Half-Life Hi, 1.5. What? Yeah, Half-Life Alex. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what? Half-Life. Uh, Half-Life. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. But you keep saying my name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. is the joke. Uh, uh, so yeah, um, <laughs> this this has been re- so Half Life Alex. If you haven't heard, yeah. Any- <laughs> oh dear, we've got hours to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hours let's to go. let's test. So things are funny once, three times, and infinite times. Mm. So let's see where we end up. <laughs> so Stuart Lee. Half-Life Alex hmm? <laughs> was a game released in 1998 by Valve Software. It was very good. And then they released a sequel about six years later, Half-Life 2. Mm. But then it has taken them all of 17 years, 16 years. Is it 16 years? Or is it more less than that now? It was 2003, right? Uh, Half-Life yeah. 2? I think so. <laughs> wow, we've fallen at the first 2004. Level. 2004, was it? I think so. Hmm. 15 hmm. years then. 15 years later... Half-Life, Alex. Hmm. Stop it. I was agreeing <laughs> with the point. You didn't have to. No one else made a m- noise. <laughs> Regardless. But you, you are, it's just so not three though, is it? No, it's not. It's, uh, it's. But why not? Like, as in, as in, it's really interesting mm. how it's a VR game and mm. therefore you just sort of, in your mind, you write it off as, eh. Well, here's well, the interesting thing. Yeah. I think mm. if, it, if, if, so I was, I want to get into the reaction to it, but we should explain what it is mm. if anyone's not heard of it. So it is, it is a full length game. They're saying it's about the same length as Half-Life 2. So it's not a VR experience or a kind of short, th- you know, sort of mini-sode or something like that. Um, so therefore, if it's the same, if it's longer than the episodes, the most substantial Half-Life thing in a good old while. Um, but it's a VR game, as you point out. I think it is designed to run on anything that any PC compatible VR headset, basically with lots of different locomotion and control options and all of that stuff. Um, my thought was initially the same. So, and it's also, it's you play as Alex Vance from Half-Life 2 and it's set, it's a prequel to Half-Life 2. So it's set in the immediate aftermath of 
the seven hour war, which is the, the earth falling and becoming a Victor, Ant- Victor Antonov dystopia in the space of seven hours. Um, basically an art path, um, <laughs> <laughs> from hell and space. Um, with that in mind, I think it kind of makes sense that it's this and not Half-Life 3 because I was really interested to see new Half-Life thing. How do people react when it's a VR game and that's necessarily mm. going to exclude mm. an awful lot of people? And I think if, if that had been Half-Life 3 and oh, the promised yeah. conclusion to the story, people would have gone berserk. Mm. I would have felt very short-changed if it had been right. a VR game, which was the conclusion to a series in which I'd already invested. I know that's, mm. that's such a selfish, petty, little gamer man reaction, but it would have been my legit reaction because it's unlikely that I'm going to buy a VR kit anytime soon and it would, you know, Half-Life being one of the series that I've most loved, mm. it would cause me physical pain not to, not to be able to play the next installment in, in, in this series on PC. Right. But so I completely understand why they, they made that decision. I think it was probably a good one. And also there's, um, uh, there's a short interview with Jeff Cayley, who is definitely a human man with the, um, the principles of, uh, Half-Life Alex. And they, they openly address why it isn't Half-Life 3. And they said making Half-Life 3 was too terrifying. <laughs> right. right. Um, and this just allowed them to be freer with their ideas and, uh, and not be burdened with a sense of obligation or, you know, expectation. Mm. And so it makes sense to then branch it from the, the, the Half-Life trajectory and do something slightly different with it. Before we went to our, personal reactions to it i was actually really interested to see how this went down right because mm. obviously it was it was leaked but this is you know such a half-life 3 as an idea is so entrenched in parts of the gaming community that i had no idea which one of these things which way it would go because these lots of emotional investment in a thing can flip really quickly from one pole to the mm. other from we desperately want this and it's the second coming to we hate this. It's, it's the yeah. worst thing that's ever happened. You know, the, the, the emotional intensity tends to be preserved, but the yeah. attitude can flip completely. Oh, to clarify, when I said it would cause me physical pain, that was a complete exaggeration. It wouldn't at all. I would have got over it really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, right. I'd have been like, oh, <laughs> right. Because, you know, we're, uh, adults to some extent and <laughs> yeah. we were alive when Half-Life 2 came out. Hmm. Um, one thing that's interesting is, is Half-Life 3 is such a meme that it's, it's spread into parts of internet culture, hmm. which, you know, heavily features populations of people who legitimately weren't born when Half-Life 2 came out. Yeah. Which is kinda nuts if you think about it. So. It, well, it also makes sense that they would do something with a beginning that isn't contingent on the ending of the previous game. Hmm. Because a lot of people who are gonna play this, actually I don't know, but I mean, they're making it for an audience which may potentially be Half-Life naive. Right. You know, and so to conclude Gordon Freeman's journey, mm. maybe isn't going to resonate with the teens. The teens, right? The kids. Well, so I don't want to assume that everyone on who leaves a comment on YouTube is a teen, but let's assume. Um, <laughs> I, I went through and had a look about the, at the comments because I was really curious, and you do see the odd little VR gripe in there, but they get drowned out by this one. It's received something like eleven thousand comments at the time when we're recording this, um, and it's a real. It's interesting the, 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 the register that's being used to embrace this moment, because it is being embraced. Uh, Dizzy writes in the comments, history. I will tell my grandson about this. <laughs> <laughs> on the, uh, on the, on the same theme, but reversed, uh, Roscoe writes, I wish my great, great grandfather was here 
to see this. <laughs> was your great great grandfather alive when when Half Life came out? Do you wish he was allowed to see uh, here to see this because it would mean nothing to him or break his mind? Um, just leaving a comment so that I too can be part of history. Okay. Right, oh, wow. Zed. Uh, someone whose name I can't now read because I can't read my own handwriting wrote, can we have a moment of silence for those who passed away while waiting? (laughs) (laughs) Someone writes, uh, FMMG writes, I'm crying. This is like a dead friend that has come back to life. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, And then a really good one um, from uh, Drunken God. This is a bit like Dishonored. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was very taken by the uh because you know, we just passed like the 20th uh sorry, the 30th anniversary of the Berlin Wall coming down. And, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure the same, you know, I don't know if people would have reached for all the same language do you uh, think for kid, that anniversary. Do you think the kids who are excited about this mm. are going to buy a no. VR kit though? No. The thing. No. No, the abs like there's a uh, there's definitely a thing about simply enjoying a moment. And I don't mm. really want to shit on people for, for getting excited no, about no. this because, you know, it's cool no looking. Harm. It does look really cool. It does yeah, look it cool does. and there's no harm in it. But there is something about like the moment itself being the game for mm. probably, let's say, 95% of the people who watch that trailer at least. I'm really excited that electric cars exist, but I'm not going to own a Tesla anytime soon. Right. And, uh, I, f- I feel like maybe the, the same sort of reaction to this. Yeah. Except a VR headset is less likely to catch fire. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. How much are VR headsets these days? You've got it between 350 to a thousand get, pounds. Oh, what's the cheap Oculus these days? The Quest. The, it has been confirmed to work with the Oculus Quest, which I think is in the 250 to 300 dollar mark-ish. Yeah. Mm. Um, the Valve in, like, the it's thing hot. with me is I keep feeling like, oh, if I, it, we should talk about the actual thing they revealed, but like, <laughs> eh, eh. like I keep having this thing of like, thinking, oh, I, I want to have this experience and it looks very good, but I want to have it in the highest possible fidelity. Yeah. So yeah. I guess that's going to cost me a thousand pounds for an index. Yeah. And, and no, and, and more than that for a bigger house. <laughs> I mean, there's no point, point them releasing the killer app for a piece of hardware that then you buy a really shit version of. Mm. <laughs> I mean, mm, good point. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Tom, you just saw the trailer for the first time. Yeah, this is a near live reaction because I just saw it, played it on Marsh's laptop right before we started recording. And I was very impressed. I was like, yeah, I remember the world of Half-Life. Like, really, like, mm. r- reminded me of that, um, that type of post-apocalypse, um, where there are people still alive, but there's just alien machinery kind of hooked into European architecture. Mm. And I, I, I've missed that. Like, it, it is, it feels like a very Half-Life thing to me. Um, I think Alex is a great character. Uh, I'm terrified of the idea of head crabs leaping at me in VR. Yeah. That's like a reason I might not play it <laughs> because that's a lot. Do you know what I'm scared of in VR? Mm. Barnacles. <laughs> like suddenly oh, hoisted God, upwards. Yeah. God, that'd be you horrible. shit and puke. Oh, <laughs> oh, no, that's nasty. That's nasty. There's a nice bit where, um, uh, someone just throws a gun onto the bonnet of a car, mm. bonnet of a car, and says, oh, it's not loaded. And then they throw you a clip, you catch it in midair and put it into the, mm. uh, into the chamber. And you, I, I, yeah, that's, that's going to feel good. I know that's going to feel good because mm. even with mouse controls, receiver felt amazing with that stuff, but with VR, um, I played like, uh, a bunch of like the killing floor mm. uh demos where you hold like dual wheeling ca- hand cannons and reloading stuff and it's a really good use of 
motion controller. Yeah. Motion VR loves guns. It's it almost good a shame in a way. Yeah. 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 It's got, it's got all of the VR things and all of the VR things are gun things. Yeah. Like whether it's looking for ammo, loading the ammo or shooting the ammo, it's yeah. got all of the VR yeah. things. It's, it's weird that we, you know, in, in the next major step of the games industry technology, <laughs> we have reinvented games so that they're better for guns. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> What's interesting about it is that like, so you also appear to have like, gravity hands like the gravity gun mm. is now like your right hand mm. by the looks of things looking at the gad- the devices that are on her gloves um there's a nice moment in the trailer where she has her left hand in the kind of half-life bleep bloop energy machine while shooting with the right which is again good good vr it's going to turn a generation of kids into mimes it's probably the most <laughs> <one. laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's hor- horrifying legacy yeah, yeah. um i can uh, yeah. i can figure out how traversal worked in the game because it looked like alex was always pulling herself through environments with her hands apparently it's it's it supports lots of different types of traversal like, so see, you can right. draw a part tom francis was explaining this to me hmm. uh, you can draw a path uh, using i guess the center of your screen to where you want to go and then you can either teleport there or you can uh, actually use analog sticks to move there hmm. as you would in a first person game interesting that's been reported to not work very well that kind of analog movement in yeah. vr well there is a sort of period of discombobulation which is difficult to get over but i mean where, i remember way back when when we got one of the first vr kits you and i played half-life 2 in vr we did yeah and uh in we kind of, yeah i mean we did both feel really sick and it was disgusting wearing your sweat mm. but and, <laughs> and i imagine even more so vice versa yeah. but um god i've forgotten about that afternoon <laughs> we got quite far we got to yeah. the end of the canal sequence yeah if oh, i remember right, yeah. right which mm-hmm. is like quite a lot way through that game yeah yeah so that sequence is way too long yeah um <laughs> i remember like getting into the the boat and it being like a kind of oh fuck like, yeah, yeah like, actually seasick kind of um, yeah. yeah yeah shit show it was alarming how fast you moved on foot as well in comparison to how how fast you move normally when you're inside your <laughs> yeah. own body yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um yeah, but it was possible. So I don't mm. think it's going to be totally, totally no. disgusting. <laughs> That's one of the reasons it surprised me that it's this full length campaign as well. And mm. Presumably last people a long time because you play it, you know, little. Yeah. I'd be interested to know if that changes well, how they structure it. But the, the I've read review, yeah. I've read reviews of the new generations of, of Oculus and mm. Index and, they they are less sick making, more it's, well, comfortable, it's not just, it's not just, lighter. And it's all not that just stuff. the nausea and stuff. It's the fact that it's such an isolating experience yeah. that I at least find it hard to play. Unless I know that like I'm completely alone in the house, I'm not expecting anyone to call me. Yeah, and nothing's going to you know the doorbell's not going to go. You don't have a cat to tread on, right? Mm. Like there's a lot of reasons why you don't want to put headphones and a blindfold on and be <laughs> in your house. Yeah, for yeah. like four hours. You know. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing, going back to what you were saying about the, the traversal, that despite it having analog stick movement, I don't think you're going to be, like, strafing around things all the time because mm. it's got to be set up to allow you to exist right. in a single spot. Yeah, all, all of the things yeah. in there are you in one place Rooted. reacting to stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's almost looked like a, a kind of House of the Dead-style arcade shooter based yeah. on the trailer yeah. that we saw yeah. where... Uh, it, actually, the architecture looked one-to-one, so whereas, you know, you expect there to be really high ceilings and wide much wider rooms when you're running around in first person at your accelerated speed in this it looks like the combine soldiers are actually like literally genuinely larger than you and like quite close up which is a different type of perspective that we mm. used yeah. in first person shooters given like a lot of what it shows is very very detailed physics so every object on a shelf being able to be brushed aside yeah that's really related cool. i would suspect that it, you, you, I, would, I would expect smaller areas that are far more dense with interactive mm. stuff you know, and, and that, because the thing I was thinking about is 
the structure of Half-Life 2 particularly is basically defined by this idea that yeah. I think only really, and we'll get to them in a minute, Respawn have nicked for Titanfall 2, which is this idea of like introducing a mechanic, playing with it for a level for like an hour and a half, and then discarding it and moving on. Like that's, I think, yeah. what makes Half-Life 2 such a great campaign is it, it doesn't have this accumulation of features that, yeah. so that by the end you don't really care about any of them. It's like you get to try being a horror game for a bit and you get to try being a military shooter for a bit. And a sci-fi shooter for a bit. Then you control some outlines for a bit. And yeah, then exactly. That. Well, there's also, management for yeah, a bit. Yeah, like, there's also like, and this fits Car. the VR thing is, yeah. yeah, like where you, it has like defined areas within those right. chunks. So like, here's your physics puzzle. Now you can do a physics puzzle. And yeah. like that works for a VR thing where you kind of like, here's your mucking around with mm. other physics objects in a tight space. Mm. Right. But I would expect the size of those chunks to be smaller in a VR game. Yeah. Cause that's the other thing. It's like, it'd be great if it was like just 20 to 20 minute to 30 minute bit that you can play and then take the headset off and yeah. go do something else yeah there definitely seem to be some uh interesting puzzly looking things that mm. were briefly glimpsed in that trailer i'm gonna Turning be interested the glowy light things yeah it looked like there was some kind of key slash jonathan blow style witnessy puzzled mm. thing going on i don't i think uh, yeah I, that's gonna be interesting over the next couple of days seeing people pull it apart frame by frame and yeah, <laughs> picking yeah. out all the new stuff i did maybe there was a new new enemy type in there as well no seesaws though no, no uh, seesaws <laughs> put a, a box on one end of the seesaws and get on the other end of the seesaws and you're a bit lazy so when you put one on and you <laughs> keep on enough. jumping and falling yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> fine this is, this is what I was thinking is is saying like one of the genius things about Half-Life 2's setting I think this sort of you know because it was new at the time it's subsequently not but um, is it's a great sandbox for what the technology they were showing off at the time which was physics mm. and that kind of realistic physics interactive physics is much more impactful i think in a believable environment that's full of stuff than it is mm. in a space place or a, even even half-life one's kind of very sort of science fictiony area 51 yeah military, yeah, military detritus, like people's stuff yeah like and the seesaws are the perfect example of that like it can be a world overstuffed with fulcrums God, like, I is, like yeah is yeah, I'm remembering the um the the lab in uh, you know the which is just filled with little kind of experiments to fuck around with mm. in Half Life Two like that is that is the proto kind of um uh, VR right. set. Yeah, this has uh, got a lot of rummaging in it, so maybe that's rum- what I mean. r- rummaging is the Ooh, new new uh, seesaw. But I was going to point. Oh, it's got, it's got, I mean, Dishonored. Another you know mm. you were rummaging through bins all the time in Dishonored. So yeah. maybe this is the new Dishonored. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if yeah. that person was reacting to Victor Antonov's art design by proxy yeah that there was, there's thought. a painterliness <laughs> to the well. i thought yeah. the, the textures were very painterly i was really like that because if mm. you if you look carefully at like half-life 2 now like the textures are low res by today's standards but like there's a sort of a sharpened element like mm. quality to them makes it look like they were trying to go for photo realistic mm-hmm. you know whereas this you know it, from alex is like it's very painterly very dishonoredy and mm. that's what i that's why that yeah, what that's i took from it yeah it's definitely also like is higher, you know, fidelity, and I think yeah, there's something yeah. exciting about seeing that world again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. much higher fidelity. We we missed out the most important thing about this. Mm. Big ups to New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Murray from uh, Flight of the Concords. Oh, mm. He provides oh, the, the voice throws of you, uh, throws the, you the gun, the gun oh, man. Right. Awesome. Huh. And he seems to, like he's in there quite a lot as a sort of com voice comms person. That's great. Mm. And I don't think. There's anyone I'd rather be my voice person <laughs> yeah. than Murray out of uh, Fight the Concourse. Yeah, that's point. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to suggest, uh, like, uh, Taika Watiti for the same sort of <laughs> ideal voice comms person, but again, it's just another soothing. Is it anyone voice. from New Zealand? Sam Neill? Who knows? Anybody, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> anyone. 
Um, the other thing I was going to point out is um, the plot seems to hinge around the fact that your father, Eli Vance, has been kidnapped, mm. uh, which is the same as the plot of Half-Life 2, mm. which basically confirms... Or is it episode 2? When, when it, episode he. Episode two, yeah. Episode he doesn't, two, yeah. doesn't get- yeah. Which confirms that he is the Princess Peach of Half Life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume that's because you hear a Vortigant talking to you, so it's mm. probably a Vortigant-based premonition of your father's kidnap that that's referring to, rather than an event within oh, the Half Life annex. Good take. Thank you. Thank you. You can <laughs> have it. You just you just law nerded me. <clears throat> Boom. Oh my Ooh. god. Yeah, that's right. Never been done. Oh, that's the first time it's ever happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you've uh, you've asserted your dominance, and I'll leave now. <laughs> oh, die of exposure. <laughs> the pack has a new master. <laughs> the natural order has been reasserted. <laughs> Limp off into the wilderness. Um, yeah. So, do we have much else to say about the biggest gaming news of ever? I'm, I'm probably not going to get a VR set. No. no yeah. Same. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's like universal. <laughs> but I think that it, it has suddenly made it a lot more essential seeming, at mm. least. To like, it's yeah. sort of like, oh, there is reason to have one now. I appreciate that. I'm not going to get one. I tell you what, it's actually like, I would like the combo of a small form factor PC that could handle VR mm-hmm. and the headset. So it could be something I set up. Because I do have a room that's good for it. It's just not my office and yeah. I'm not moving my tower PC. Yeah, that's the, that's a big problem. So yeah. it's like, I guess that adds an extra couple of grand. Yeah. Like, I'll get a bonus PC mm. and the Valve Index and I will play this for 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> good deal, everyone. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. Mm. Should we talk about what we've been playing? Yeah, we've all played it. What? (laughs) Oh, Oh, so you want to lead with? Do well. We could. All right. Let's 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 lead. Let's go in soft. I want to go. Well, okay. What you're referring to is the fact (laughs) that I think. (laughs) What does any of this mean? What's the subtext? (laughs) I think we have the same topic. Are you talking about Alex? I'm talking about the game I was going to talk about, and then we were going to talk about the big game we're going to talk about. Can do that. Oh no! Let's not keep you in suspense. Let's Let's just say the game, uh, Alex. Yes. Would you like to talk about the game you've been playing? Yes. <laughs> I've been playing Unity of Command 2. Mm. Um, and I've been enjoying it enormously. So this is um turn-based strategy game set in World War II. Um, it's follow-up to a... Unity of Command? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not called One, just Unity of Command. Funny yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, and it follows that game's incredibly... Uh, beautifully visually designed um heritage um mm. it's a very complicated military strategy uh in terms of what's going on but the way it's presented it makes it very uh pleasurable to play and also accessible broadly anyway mm. um so this is a game like so basically you've you're you're playing on a uh, on a map of hexes except the hexes aren't shown to you so it has a naturalistic look it looks like you're playing on a map um you have lots of little uh divisions of of your army you play in unity of command two as only the allies it doesn't have an axis um uh campaign in it and uh you start off in the in the campaign at least in north africa and you're going to go up italy and there was normandy so it's kind of from 19 was it 1940 Three, three, I was going to say forty-three. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the special thing about it is that it introduces the idea of supply. That's the most important kind of mm. sort of um, concept to it. So it says your armies need to be supplied with 
guns and bullets and also some guns and tins of food mm. and uh if you don't they will uh become weaker and weaker and weaker um for as long as they are you pass turns without them in a supplied area and uh that was in the, that concept drives the first game but this one builds on it in the sense that uh now you can put down places of supply in the world and you mm. can also uh, like this idea of trucks and they're going out but it's all very abstracted a lot of the ideas in this game you don't see little armies running around you just see like a logo of your unit and you don't see little trucks of supplies going around you just see the numbers when you press the button that um that kind of shows the sort of the supply amounts within any particular place which drop off over distance and all that kind of thing the, the mm. cool thing about it is that it is um like though there are loads of loads of numbers going on and there are loads and loads of things happening it makes your decisions always really pinpointed like you're only really ever thinking i better check the supply now i'll move up to here and i'm going to flank them here and the very concept of um cutting off enemy troops is made real in this one so like there's this the numbers and mathematics of how supply works but this but it means what it enables is when you push your tanks through a hole in their defenses and you cut off an enemy in a pocket and they're not connected anymore to the rest of their army they are now starved of their supply right and so enemies don't, have the supply they have well. supply as well mm. and you can see their supply situation as well there's fog of war but like it does mm. let you see their supply mm. situation this is one of the only games to actually simulate that it feels like it right. I, don't I think outside of grand strategy in yeah. abstract yeah. Yeah. yeah i expect there are but they're probably they very be. very very complicated indeed yeah. 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 <laughs> yes in That's- this one you have a, like a supply point and you click on it to increase the supply and you use the mouse wheel to go up and down. You can see in real time the supply kind of sort of uh, flowing yeah. through your, your so you're your saying lines. it's a game about attacking using the element of supplies it's, <laughs> yeah, that's good it's real good it's real good I think it's fascinating to make a game out of logistics because yeah. that is just a huge amount of what the generals are actually considering yeah during the second but in this one it also adds um, it also adds um, headquarters and in the old game like there wasn't any concept of headquarters hmm. in this game headquarters uh, if as long as you have units that are attached to a headquarters um uh, they will be able to do special um, command point based uh, abilities. Um, if they're outside of that range, they will not be able to. So, and you can move your headquarters toward, you know, where, or anywhere on your map. Basically, it means you want to keep your headquarters close to the front. But then again, not if the enemy yeah. push through, manage to get through your lines, and you know, then then you know you'll lose your headquarters, mm. and that's a real pain in the ass. Um, and then it's really good at doing fronts. So, um, and I I actually spent some time this morning trying to figure out how the maths of it works because uh, the manual for two is not very well developed. Like it doesn't have very many. It's not very detailed, and there are loads of things in the game which aren't actually explained very well but you can go back to the manual for one which is comes as part of your installation if you bought it um and you and it gives you a full rundown of how it works and actually it's it's kind of simple like you know there are strengths of your unit and then they're multiplied by the attack thing and you can just you can calculate it all right it makes sense but with a clever thing about it it reminds me a bit of warhammer in the way Mm. you know the way in warhammer like the 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 actual logic of one unit to one weapon's strength against another mm. is really hard to pass in your mind as you're looking down at it. Yeah. But like 
when you look back at why you lost, you're going, oh, yeah, Christ. There's like they had one strength more and the toughness was like these small changes. <laughs> the rats had big fire cannons. Effects, yeah. <laughs> had no protection at all against <laughs> okay, rats with big fire cannons. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but it has that same effect where you, you know, you can kind of, if, with a bit of cleverness and putting the right force in the right place at the right time you can punch your way through lines and get breakthroughs and like cut off supply you can set yourself these cool kind of um uh you know objectives to yourself where you see the enemy has a supply depot at a place and you know you can fuck their entire army if you can just punch through Mm. and take that place because you know, and then because you know that they're going to run out of supply and they're all going to come totally useless in a turn's time. It's got, it's got that sort of organic, sort of complex, and yet your decisions are really big and sort of meaningful sort of feel to it, mm-hmm. despite it being mega kind of military history and mega kind of grognardi. Mm-hmm. I really like it's, it's good shit and I'm really bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> like there's the first, the first mission of the campaign is, um, I think it's the last one in Africa and it's this point where, um, so the, the British, two of the British armies, one of which is Montgomery's one, mm, the oh, yeah. British Eighth Army, I think, uh, they've been charging through the, 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 the North African desert and they finally sort of squeezed the uh, axis to the very sort of north, Egypt, I guess, sort of the northeastern corner and to push them off the continent. Mm. Uh, and the Americans are joining as well. And you're controlling all three of those armies. And as you play through, you're watching your armies converge and sweep like in a sort of up through the map to the very, you know, the northeast corner. And you say, oh, shit, yeah, that was really nice because it's really clever because, um, you know the the design is so evident in it as well like um so the game does not wants your in this particular map the game wants you to do this grand sweep from the south where you've got two armies and then up to the northeast but you have another army in the northwest and you kind of think oh we can just sweep across there mm. but it's got these units that are dug in Axis units that are dug in and almost impossible to get rid of just because of these kind of Warhammer complicated and yet mm. sort of nuanced maths going on. And it's like, and you play through it and it feels natural and mm. kind of powerful. It's, mm. it's, it's good shit. But yeah, right now the documentation is not too good and it's a rocky ride. So you expect to watch a few YouTube sort of, mm. um, trainers, trainers and that kind mm. of thing. Um, and like the tool tips, like there is some of it is really well tooltipped other quite fundamental things are not tooltipped and it's only when i went back to the manual for the last game because lots of this is the same like the combat design is is precisely the same mm. like you know mm. i had to go back there to find it but other than that like with that with that caveat you know it's mm. it's worth the investment do you feel like there's a a sort of a, like a, a hump or a threshold of your understanding that you'll cross over at some point because that I was think, my experience with Warhammer was going from yeah. I don't know why I lost to actually I do understand the dice maths and the log- and the likelihood of winning a certain fight or a certain situation and therefore that's the moment where you go from like you can you know play both ways and it's fun both ways but that's when you go to be able to like actually manipulate a situation rather than yeah. play it out yeah like I think I think I may have broken it this today because I like before you know you're just mm. sort of like going, oh, I'll try try attacking with that one. Oh, why the hell is am I not getting anywhere with this one and what's going on and like 
and I've started to understand like what to look for, like, you know, when you're looking at your new and knowing for the potential against another mm. one. It's good at showing you outcomes. It's always like you always know an outcome that you're going to get. And there is a, there's an undo button, which for as long as chance hasn't been used to resolve a result, you can go back. Mm. But like as soon as you make an attack, then like you can't undo an attack, but you can move to a point. And then, like, see what the attack, what what it's going to predict. Your, you know, right. But so you can feel your way through that. So it does give you the ability to learn stuff. But like, yeah, I think that that I will get. I'm getting close to the point of actually trying to f- actually seeing what's going. Seeing on. the matrix. Seeing the matrix. Yeah, mm. it's real cool. good. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It does look really nice. I think a lot of. Uh, I mean, you mentioned them earlier, those kind of grand strategy games set in World War Two. They look uh, and they have an aesthetic which is immediately intimidating to yeah. me. Yeah. Whereas this has such a clean-looking UI and everything just feels so kind of kind of anachronistically modern in in the way it's presented that I, I think it uh, it appeals to me quite strongly. Yeah, like the the the, the units. Are, well, they're actually three D, but they look like they're um, they kind of rendered as if they're sort of sprites, like nicely kind of pre-rendered slight swipes or anything and then right. but then as you're on the map you can zoom in and out but also when you go near them they kind of face each other they face the nearest one so your tank oh. swivels around to face like an enemy and like oh shit it's all 3d and it looks very nice mm. that is really important like it yeah. like everything's really smooth and nice and like it's so important like yeah as an advanced wars kind of nut like i do like a good feeling strategy right yeah it's good that that's being more attention is being paid to that now. Yeah. I think it's uh, in like um, Three Kingdoms Total War. Was yeah. Good for this yeah. As well. yeah. Just feel true. like yeah. feel as a concept outside of action games. Yeah, yeah, it's a real thing. Oh, just to just to finish on this, mm-hmm. I discovered yesterday that the maker of um, Unity of Command, someone called Tom Tom Tom, is I think he's Polish or something. Anyway, he's called Tom. Like he calls himself Tom. He did, he made AMP A M P, which was one of the very first mp3 players and Whoa. when it was converted by a couple of americans to um, windows they called it winamp, winamp. no oh, way. What? which what? means that he is one of like the guy who made uh, unity of command is one of the people who made the mp3 what it is today i still use winamp to transcribe stuff because of all the kind of <laughs> universal shortcuts and stuff <laughs> oh, man it's wild why can't we have you can do this with steam why did skins for apps go out of favor? And there are obvious <laughs> reasons for this, but why can't I make my music player, why can't I make VLC look like Geiger's Alien? <laughs> like, that was... You're right. You can Can you not do that anymore? Probably, you used to be able to. Maybe, I just not, maybe I'm the one who changed. <laughs> but, but like many people who miss things from the past, I don't want to interrogate that. I'd rather complain that it's not 2003 anymore. Half-Life 2 isn't about to come out, and I can't listen to like shoegazy music while looking at a picture like see, a big old ribcage see i was never in, I, <laughs> I i wish that all apps on the windows uh on windows 10 enforced the same uh windows bordering of windows 95 i want mm. a big chunky oh, border want i want everything completely unified i don't want some window to be black and it's on top of another black window so whenever i try and click and move the window i select the wrong one mm. don't do that tell developers not to do that 
Give him a nice big yeah. grey chunky border with a you, blue bit of the top. You want uh, like a kind of command and conquer wall around every window that you're interested <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah, yeah I've noticed that because a, a lot of launches are going in that like, what if the entire launcher was just a piece of concept art? Mm-hmm. And when you sing at it, the game you want to launch. <laughs> but like, actually, yeah. I will say kudos to Valve again. I actually really like the steam redesign. Um, oh. I don't know if that's a spicy take that's or spicy. a mild take. I've but come I like around it to it. I like it more now. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. We've we've benefited. It's um, we were lucky on Hackmed that we knew about it. Obviously, fairly far in advance, hmm. so we were able to update art and stuff. But like, it's come with a bunch of stuff like the event system and just better ways of kind of pushing your game up to the top of people's that is, yeah. list mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. own it. That is actually great. Like, I don't know if I. I mean, I like it anyway, but I don't think I would appreciate it as much if I wasn't part responsible for a service game or a, mm. a live game yeah yeah and it's great for that like rather than something being it, it makes it harder to lose something in your list when something exciting is happening in a game you have yeah, to that's own cool. that that's is cool. and i think that is genuinely a benefit of people it's not just a marketing thing it's yeah. like if you own a game and something cool has happened in it hmm. that should be the thing that moves it to the top of yeah. the list yeah. not you know alphabet <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah anyway so there is there is a game we've all been playing but i kind of want to move around a bit because um tom you, uh, I want to return oh, to yeah. Death Stranding. Particularly, I want oh. to return to Death Stranding if that's okay. Yes. Before I drink too much of the little, little. That's actually because otherwise, because I feel more confident talking about Star Wars hmm. <laughs> after more of this. Death Stranding, I don't know if I can. Death Stranding is really difficult to talk about because there are elements of it that are that are quite spoilery, even and they're not at all plot related. But it's, right. no, it's nothing to do with cutscenes and the. Um, and why are they so long? Kojima's wank dream that is just going <laughs> to be thrust upon you for the entire game, and you're just going to have to endure it. Uh, and like, there's there's some just it feels like a game that was built with imagery first in that sense. Like the actual plot revolves around images that Kojima found fascinating, and then they sort of wrapped the story around those images rather than actually sort of like thinking about how stories work and <laughs> how like characters become likable or whatever mm. uh so mad mickelson giving birth to four special forces soldiers and then withdrawing their umbilical cords into his core as he shivers and then stands up and becomes uh, a boss monster is a thing i've not seen in any other piece of media <laughs> and right <laughs> that's I, that's as much as you can say for... that was his tell in casino royale wasn't it <laughs> 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 might be something wrong with this guy uh, it, and uh but the the real treat that uh, the reason why I've kind of I really love the game now and I started out really enjoying it then I absolutely hated it and now I really like it a lot is actually the social features and the way that the world adapts and evolves based on what the community is doing and uh, the way that it exposes you to different players and the way that it, the environments that you've visited in the past change um, one of the great frustrations of the game is that you have to pa- backtrack all the time you have to backtrack like kilometers to get go back to a place you've just been but the reason that you have to do that is because it wants to show you what's happened to the world what players have done to the world Mm. in places that you've been before and i think like um i'll discuss this properly in a moment but if you don't want to be spoiled on that stuff then skip ahead about 10 minutes um but basically uh you start out it's got this kind of social media uh, idea where you get to like each other's structures and you, you you can build a structure I've got like tens of thousands of likes now because of a bridge I built in the first area that loads and loads of new players will, will use and it's immensely gratifying and it has all of the kind of dopamine hit that social media has is it like like is that just a single world that so is every player seeing your bridge or is it kind of no. shouted off to no um, so there's, you've got uh, a stat called like bridge 
link or something like that. And the higher that is, the more players your stuff will be shown to. Um, but in order to get that stat up, you have to be liking players' stuff. So it's, it's, mm. it's, the, it's the kind of like this loop, the social media loop that it creates that is actually really deeply satisfying. And the convenience of these bridges, because it's such a kind of frustrating game deliberately, uh, makes you genuinely grateful to other players. Um, but then there's a point where I just went back to like the second area I, I started out in just to do some side packages. And there's a twisting highway that is literally just dripping shit onto the earth. Like it's just this the kind of, it's called part of the chiral network it's called, which is basically death magic. And there's just black kind of like stalagmites, stalactites, whatever, just a dripping shit onto the ground. And it's very convenient to drive over it. But I suddenly had this sort of turnaround moment. It was like, oh, we've, We've we've wrecked it. <laughs> this beautiful, extraordinary landscapes that they right. created are ruined. Like that, they mm. look disgusting now, and it's, it's very convenient. as a result of player action. Absolutely, yeah. And, mm. and this to me is like the main thing. The game, the main message of the game is is that, um, and it's almost explains the kind of facile adoption of like America as a concept, um, which seems really really empty when you start actually connecting the US and destroying the places that you've been. Because uh, the, the early every time you push into a new place, you can't see any other player structures. Uh, only once you link them to the network can you suddenly start seeing the player structures. So it basically gives you this extraordinary natural beauty, and then uh, you walk out after connecting the network, and it's like, oh, it's, it's fucking horrible now. And it is it's very very deliberate, I think, and it's quite <clears throat> quite profound. Um, and it. it it all comes from the fact the game looks absolutely extraordinary and sounds extraordinary. The landscapes in that game are unlike anything I've ever kind of just walked around before. Mm. Um, distance is real in that game. It's not like in Skyrim, they do kind of perspective tricks to make things look further away than they are, but you reach them very quickly because you have very high walk speed and actually they're much closer than they appear. Um, and I think Death Stranding has achieved what Red Dead Redemption 2 wanted to achieve when it wanted to make a kind of walking simulator in, in, in the West, uh, the Wild West. But they've done it by actually making walking and traveling grueling, and you have to go through that discomfort for the rest of it to work. Mm. And it's kind of it's kind of great. Like <laughs> that's really smart. What is your takeaway from that? Uh, oh dear, we fucked everything up by trying to reconnect humanity thing. Though. What's is there anything more deep than that? What is it? What is it? I that- don't. I don't think so. It's tr- the trouble is like um, as like you guys covered it really well last week. I think um, when you say like it is just. Uh, a game that's like pushing in so many different directions with no actual kind of connecting purpose. Right. Uh, and the, so the, the story has nothing to do with that really. The story is really frustrating because it has amazing horror ideas and amazing horror imagery that it just doesn't capitalize on. Like mechanically, when you actually encounter the creatures that seem so fearsome at the start, they're pretty trivial. And it, it ends up being it's a, like hammer circle a, to yeah wa- to waddle away and be of, fine yeah, yeah. Um, and all of that is just undone by the like mecha- the mechanics of those encounters mm. uh, which is a real real shame because the imagery is incredible I think like yeah there, there's a great great horror game to be made from that but it doesn't want to be a horror game it wants to be this kind of weird social media kind of commentary or like almost sort of, sort of humanity exploiting you know colonialist kind yeah, of thing right, right. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, humans, humans versus the natural world. And, uh, as you spread the network, um, more dead things come into the world 
which is also like just humans coming back to further spoil things. You know what I mean? It's like this kind of vicious circle. I think that's that to me, that seems like the point of the game. Um, but I've not finished it yet. And I, I just don't believe the plot is going to deliver on that at all because the plot seems it's like a completely different game. It's really strange. Right. It's like a different film that they've layered over this other social media game. I was talking to a friend about it over the weekend and I didn't arrive at this in the podcast last week, but the way I started to think about it is its weirdness feels like a form of camp that doesn't exist. <laughs> right. I mean, because there are things about it that are openly super camp, right? In, in a fun yeah, way. Because sure. Kojima games are always like that. But it's weird excesses and it's kind of symbols and kind of nods to stuff that doesn't, isn't real. It's like, it, you know, it's sort of like camp from a different dimension <laughs> where mm. it's hilarious that America might look like Iceland. You know what I mean? Like, that feels like a joke that, you know, it's, it's hard not to read intent into it because it's all so intentional. Mm. But not being able to actually, like, literally link those things together is so alienating. I think it's maybe too far to call that deliberate. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I actually, I don't think there's much in the Iceland thing. Um, I think they literally just pick those uh, images because they're desolate and they want mm. you to feel alone. I, th- I don't think the, the logic extends much further than that. Right. They want you to experience a certain feeling of being isolated um and like i used to hike around the highlands and hike all over the uk and i I got a genuine sense from traversing those environments of 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 the real act of actually hiking around and feeling like a tiny moat of warmth in this infinite vast kind of you know yeah uh space that doesn't care about you (laughs) the sublime basically Mm. Mm. so the thing i find faintly frustrating about that is like I think what you were saying much about it not really having a deeper meaning is, is fair. At the same time, the thing games are good at is making, putting you in a situation, allowing you to simply feel it, you mm. know, even in an immediate way, whether that's firing a gun in VR or whatever it is, right? Like, you don't have to think about it beyond a certain point. The purpose of the game is the that, sensation. Is right? the yeah. sensation, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, I think the, uh, all the other stuff, I don't think contributes to that. Like, I, as you were talking, I was trying to think if there's something in the fact that, the cutscenes and the kind of the endless kind of gamey narrative and that weird sort of eighties action movie thing it can't quite escape. Yeah, sure. Um act as a kind of like whether it acts as a distraction that makes you subsequently more susceptible for its actual point, which mm. is this both the, you know, sensation of a grueling hike and also the mild regret of civilization or, or whatever it is. Yeah. But I think that's too generous. I think that is too generous as well. I think I think there's a, I get the strong feeling that it just throws shit at the wall. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate and maybe not generous enough. But when it comes to, like, the plot itself, it's gibberish. <laughs> it's just gibberish. <laughs> Amazing imagery, but just gibberish otherwise. Um, the, the real stuff is, is that it just needs to stick to one theme and i i actually came to resent uh the reason why i came to hate it for a while was because i really resent when um people create things then expect the audience to kind of unpick their brain web without any kind of without being equipped to do so mm. so like there's huge amounts of uh just craft goes into creating a narrative that is readable to people who don't have the time to just like think about it all forever. And I think it's, it's slightly disrespectful to the audience just to throw loads of shit at the wall and expect them to kind of pick up the pieces and unpick Kojima's wank dream, basically. Mm. Like, is, is that, I don't think that's fair. Um, but I go back and forth on that with, um, Death Stranding because I think like, as you said, Chris last week, like, needs an editor. But it needs like yep. a cruel editor, like a really cruel editor just to lip, chop fuck loads out of it. Just make it about, one thing have a message say something 
don't just kind of like try to say loads of vague things about social media oh and oh death and oh you know it's just it's not good enough <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, a part, a part of me is like delighted that this game got made because it's such a such a high budget game it's such a kind of high production values devoted to this thing that is just about walking around which is extraordinary mm. and it is new and it does feel really unique mm. but i still don't like kojima games for the reason that i just don't feel like i'm, I'm gonna be rewarded for being invested mm. in, investing in them yeah much as i wish i could summon you uh, on public transport to shout at people <laughs> i also wish i could just call in an orbital strike of tony ellis oh, into yes. the, yeah. you know the courtyard of kojima productions in a mech suit and his bullets are healing that cut seems but, dead <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. it's interesting so uh not to go too wildly off piece but we went off from last week we went off from death stranding into sort of auto-led film Hmm. And I've been thinking about it this week, and I think there's another jumping-off point into uh, into TV, actually, um, which is prompted um, by my thoughts about uh, The Mandalorian, a show I haven't seen because I live in the United Kingdom. But if I had seen it, I'd say that it was actually – I, I, I would say that it was probably really good and, and that it was <laughs> really interesting because it is so – defiantly against the grain of what tentpole expensive TV is. Mm-hmm. And expensive tentpole TV, I can say this because I've seen those shows, in the year 2019 is about, it's it's very, very, very dense with plot, right? The the mystery TV format, spearheaded by J.J. Abrams, basically, and, and Damon Lindelof, is like this, this now, this like, had set these expectations, right, from Lost onwards, of extremely dense storytelling that, um, is that overwhelms you with mysteries and questions and and you know uh, the mystery box kind of format and and i think one thing that's been interesting watching the reactions to the mandalorian which i am allowed to talk about because they are on the internet which i can have um, (laughs) (laughs) um, and and don't need a vpn for is um is people being confused by uh, a show that I imagine has more in common with like a comic book or a manga where there's very little writing and there's very little dialogue and it's super visual and it's super about like almost traditional discipline of creating an action sequence or telling a story through simple beats Mm -hmm. or the kind of A to B to C to D storytelling of a Western specifically. Um, or I would say Western or Samurai movie, mm. which are the two influences on Star Wars, which is why it's mm. so appropriate, but also so unusual because we got so used to being kind of overwhelmed with plot that we kind of expect mm. it. And, and, and people, some people love it and some people um, are confused by it because if something is expensive television, they expect it to be an hour, an episode to be an hour long and for it to not tell a self-constrained story, but to, set up not only the next episode but presumably enough stuff that you could water cool and chat about all it. the blog chat yeah, yeah. all the blog posts right. on this is hardly anything to say because they're just saying what i saw <laughs> yes exactly like i had a self-contained experience and there's nothing really to glean from it except this there's you know you know i, I suppose that's not wholly the truth because i imagine the mandalorian does have a kind of series spanning question but it's far sparser with that than would be except would be normal now I'm not really plugged into the Star Wars discourse, and yet I've seen a huge amount of chat about... So, I mean, the, there yeah. is obviously some some stuff happening outside of the, the programs and itself. it's notable that um, that... Well, that's a whole thing, because I imagine that would that was something <laughs> they protected very, very closely. Yeah. 
um, but is now a meme. So uh, fuck you, I guess, if you live anywhere else in the world and you wanted that surprise. Mm. Um, so that's what all that was. Oh, sorry, have I actually spoiled it? That is not literally the, end, oh. the, the big reveal at the end of the first episode. I'm sorry. Oh, first episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, but it's also the core of the show. So, oh. um, well, so it, it turns out. Did I imagine- Bob's Fett have a and it was <laughs> no oh, it's not I'm glad you're fair. on the same Star Wars level yeah. as I am I think <laughs> but it turns out it turn, I, don't know if any, I don't know if anyone cares about like uh, old manga and samurai stuff at all but it turns out they just decided to make um, okay. Lone, Lone Wolf and Cub but Star Wars oh, oh cool. Right, cool I imagine um, <laughs> um, I think that's a, that is, that is a very cool thing and to it's do, extremely right? refreshing it's, it's like mm. one of my you know it's, it's refreshing I imagine to see um <laughs> form played with in a way that you don't expect particularly within the context of such a big budget thing um the presuming aspect of death stranding that's the sort of that's what i started the vibe i started to get from death stranding having been thinking along those lines about what's possible with mainstream media is yeah. like it feels like it inherits this weight need to tell a meandering nonsense story almost from metal gear mm. whereas the core uh, i don't think it inherits it from american television necessarily but i do think it you know yeah it's, it's gonna be a 50 60 hour game and they've got a do something with that, right? They can't just let you. It can't be a feeling. Quite brave enough to let you just walk around for that entire time, right? Whereas you can pay twenty quid for a European truck simulator, and that is the game. Mm. This is the pure experience of moving around. Mm. Um, it's almost a cowardice is the wrong word, but like a, a reluctance to just let the experience be the experience. Yeah, have have to layer stuff over it that cheapens it actually. Um, whereas to me, the, the, the profound things about Death Stranding are that is the experience of just moving around and the struggle. Hmm. And then there's some moments of, um, it's very well paced actually, like the terrain is incredibly well paced. So you, you go up through like a mountainous area, it's really difficult. And then you'll run some BTs, which are the kind of ghosts basically. And you'll kind of like creep through those. And then it will give you a beautiful, just gorgeous sweeping plane down to the next town that will take you about 10 minutes to run down and then it will play some low roar for you as you do it and it's just like oh so nice like mm. it's such a good feeling it's really really nice I, I, I don't get that from other games apart from maybe some mm. kind of like uh, walkie simulators as the people would call them right yeah yeah it's interesting I, I'd actually compare um, Kojima more to somebody like Nolan in some ways mm. in, in terms of cinema because Nolan's mm. films are always about the aesthetic experience while you're in the cinema sure. and then as soon as you leave the cinema and you think about it for more than a couple of minutes you're like eh. <laughs> but but during that time there's just a he has perfectly gauged the amount of information and kind of visual overload that anybody can take to have exactly the kind of appreciate the film's texture in a way that i don't think other other film directors do but then in kojima's case i think it's like nolan being continuously sabotaged by tommy wiseau like the jekyll and hyde of his personality yeah, yeah right <laughs> but uh, death stranding does stick with me like i do right. think about it a lot like uh, the landscapes the places because uh, you have hmm. to go back through them all the time and it feels like an inconvenience at the time hmm. but it really ties you to the landscape and that's what for me what the game is about it's about hmm. the actual landscape and how it changes i think i think you're right but i think the nolan comparison is really interesting i would probably take it a step further which is i think that's fair about nolan but i think it became more fair when he left crime movies behind as the movies he made oh yeah when M- he- mementos is is not on, not like his other films i guess the point i would make is the genre grounded some of Nolan's most kind of watchable cinema, right? Mm-hmm. So Dark Knight is somewhat Batman and somewhat Heat. And that 
helps the imagery is there but there's a sort of underlying structure that allows you yeah. to know where you're going with it the point is as soon as it his films became about dads in space, <laughs> mm. um, which is now, I think, a tri- I think it's going to be a trilogy. Mm. <laughs> We've got Interstellar through Ad Astra all the way into whatever comes next. Um, yeah. Was Ad Astra his? That was yeah. somebody else as well, wasn't it? Am I getting this wrong? <laughs> I think <Fucking> so. <laughs> I was really sure Ad Astra was his. You know, it feels like a known film, doesn't it, from yeah. all the trailers? But it's, uh, I think it's some yeah, other. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It goes warm a lot in the warm. trailer. Oh man, warm. I'm so easily confused by a good Zimmer. <laughs> he's the constant he is the constant anyway what the fuck do I know yeah um I think <laughs> I didn't mean to agree with that sorry that was no, just true I just realized that was just a playing for time was, yeah. yeah um no there was there was, there is what, what's Nolan's next film that is also it is also a dad dad in space film right I mean with a break for Dunkirk which is not really a dad film, apart from maybe Kenneth Branagh being dad. I was going to say yeah. the Ur-Dad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Ur-Dad. Faintly disappointed at the sea. <laughs> yeah. That is my dad. That is all dads. <laughs> Looking at the, also the, um, the, uh, wait, that's, that's, that's a film that's rich in dads. Dads at sea. Mm. Like, I mean, it's got the dad on the little boat. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's got Kenneth Mark, Branagh, Mark, army dad. Mark yeah. Rylance playing yep. Mark Rylance. As, yep. as, <laughs> as, <laughs> sorry, it's oh. a little distance. Oh no. Oh no, the sea's quite rough here. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, it was a, a Stuka bomber. That's yeah. right. Tom Hardy's got it. Oh. <laughs> There's all of Dunkirk in it. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Nolan's ability to smother Tom Hardy. Yeah. Is yeah, is, exactly. Is, is quite I don't like his voice. <laughs> Put a mask on. <laughs> the next film will just be Tom Hardy's locked out of a spaceship. <laughs> He's going, Dad, Mark Ryland, let me in. <laughs> like your, your chair squeaking as you <laughs> shake your fist there. Made it sound like your bones are actually squeaking. But maybe that's true as well. I don't know. <laughs> squeaky suit. What are we talking about? Death Stranding. Uh, Death oh, yeah. But this is how Death Stranding conversations always end. Yeah. Well, it's Mark a very different place. It's basically, basically where it always goes. <laughs> well, Why wasn't he in it? Fuck's sakes. Is it come on, it. Kojima, turn it up. Is it not it. maybe ultimately a win for Kojima that we can't talk about the problems of this thing without talking about the flaws of filmmakers? Because that does make he him, in a way, a filmmaker. Yeah. Well, also, you can blame it on them. I mean, he wants to be. Like, you said that Kojima Productions is going to make make films. And God, yeah. God forbid. God forbid, yeah. Like, what would Mark Rylance's Kojima name be? <laughs> Broodman's Sad Dad. <laughs> You've nailed it. He's a very good actor. I don't yeah. know why. He's, he's excellent, yeah, yeah. But he always plays characters who are very taciturn. Make basically. Dad, yeah, yeah. yeah. With a look of, you know... Deep, deep wounding. Mm. He can just behind his sad, sad face. Yeah. He can stare through the horizon into space. Yeah, <laughs> better than any other. Actor yeah, he'd make space cry. Middle, <laughs> middle distance man. He's <laughs> yeah. very good, Wolf Hall. Yeah, although ah, is oh, he though? What? <laughs> a fight is about to happen. <laughs> no, I, dun, I really dun, like dun, the adaptation dun, dun, dun. of Wolf Hall, but I thought it was so different from the sensation you get of that character in the novels because oh, the character right. in the novels yeah. is just exposed to you, his every thought, and he's such a lively and rich person. Mm. And in Wolf Hall, you only get the things that he allows to be external, which are just the kind of my most minute <laughs> kind of announcements. Like, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> oh, and that's it. That's like five pages. Yeah. Right, and right, it was summarized yeah. to, <laughs> but, but, like, but in and of itself, it, it's it's very good TV. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. But you know, yeah. it's it's, it's but, still the books just have an untapped richness in that character. Yeah, so sure. apparently books are better than films. <laughs> <Kojima>. <laughs> I think Rylance tries to 
convey that internal dialogue by staring into the middle distance. And yeah. He tries it really, really hard. And uh, so I kind of, I kind of like, uh, I forgive him. I oh think no, he's, my he's, children have died of the plague. Time to stand. St- <laughs> Marsh is now staring through yeah. the wall <laughs> into space. You know, apparently there have been um, two out, two uh, reported cases of the plague in, in China this week. No. Really? Because Twitter is a... Well, what kind of plague? The the Black Death. The bubonic, the bubonic one. Well, bubonic plague the is still plague. a thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it is. The, but... the, if you go around the parks in America in certain places, there's uh, signs saying that the squirrels there have fleas which can carry bubonic Jesus. Uh, plague. But it's, but it's because it's, it, you just use antibiotics these days. Hmm. Right, well, yeah, that'll work, that'll work out. But the, the, the plague that, uh, besets, <laughs> don't work anymore. Yeah, uh, beset the people of Wolf Hall's period wasn't, isn't a plague that's ever been seen since. Nobody knows exactly what it was. Oh, wow. No, it was a sweating death, which didn't produce boils or anything. People just sweated a whole bunch and then fucking died. So, future publishing. <laughs> <laughs> Like a 2012. What? It's all right. Should we talk about some games? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want uh, I want to talk about games by way of an apology. Um, in particular, I with I think we all and Alex, you weren't uh, actually didn't know you were going to be able to join us until quite shortly before we recorded. You especially need to join in on this because I think, personally, I think that we, maybe not Marsh because he wasn't here at the time, owe an apology to Blando Calrissian. <laughs> and I think we owe an apology to the bleepy bloopy robot. No, 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 no. Blando, no, yes, Blando, yes, 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 okay. Right. but So this robot. is the game we've all played. Alex, mm-hmm. have you played? No. I have. I, right. I'm not as far as you, I expect. But, um... So actually, we should talk about, I've finished it. I've finished it. I've finished it. Also, this rum may be the distillation of the sweating death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my, my, the inner ear is sweating. Odd. I don't know what's going on. It's producing very strange. So, um, I, my, my view is, uh, I don't know where to start. So, Jedi Fallen Order, Respawn's new game, the Star Wars mm-hmm. game. EA. Bit Uncharted, bit Sekiro. Bit, bit Uncharted, bit Sekiro. Yeah. Bit Metroidvania. Yeah, I think so. Bit, yeah, Metroid Primevania. Mm. Um, uh, well, quick fire hot take. I really, really liked it, and I think we need to apologise to Cameron Monaghan because he's the actor that plays the lead character, <laughs> and yeah. he had to endure the entire internet going, "Why the fuck would anyone design a man that looked like this?" <laughs> and it turns out it's just a very accurate yes. performance capture of his actual yeah. face and body. I like, I like his admittedly very dumb-looking face. Uh, but as a man with a dumb face himself, I feel I identify with him. I, I, I think his hair is what's gone wrong. Yeah, his hair yeah, is awful. Hair is always pristine it, and it's very awesome. bouffant. I mean, it just doesn't how make does it. he keep it? He's got a dirty face, but very, very clean hair. Yeah. Very clean, right. beautiful hair. Yeah. Well conditioned. Certainly, you know, I mean, that is not his fault though. And no, I feel like no, still, it's not his fault. You know. <laughs> it's probably not his natural um, hair color. Um, but, but I, no, really I, like I saw his contract and he demanded that he was only <laughs> ever seen with clean hair. <laughs> really? So, I mean, it is on him. Sorry. Full bowl of M&Ms and I want clean hair. <laughs> <laughs> And I will say this, while I think it's completely fair to say like, okay, another white dude protagonist in, yeah. in a Star Wars game, that's completely fair. I do think it benefits from the degree of close performance capture mm. uh, that they've done. And I, it was interesting. I played all of it in a pocket of time 
in between feeling guilty about not playing more Death Stranding, where the idea of going back to Death Stranding <laughs> felt exhausting yeah. because of the interminable cutscenes. Mm. And this is so relatively snappy with its storytelling. And I found, and I feel like people may disagree with me, but I did find, if you just want to start by talking about its characters and presentation, because that's what we ripped it apart for previously, I actually enjoyed the performances and I thought people had a sense of connection in this cutscene. Yeah, and it's it's light fair, but it was actually like... There's some good deliveries and it kept me going and I enjoyed it. This was like up there with Wolfenstein, I thought. Like it had a Wolfenstein, like the, the way, the kind of like the, uh, the fidelity of, of a, of a Wolfenstein mm. sort of uh, recent one was, was like the, the cutscenes yeah. in this one. I, you know, I, I like the performances. I thought the performances were what sold what was pretty an undercooked script. Yeah. Mm. I think okay. it wasn't that it was bad. I don't, I don't, there weren't that many kind of absolute clangers in it, which I would have probably sent to you on private messages and snorted yeah. at. But it was, it's just all, it all feels, the dialogue all just feels a little like, eh, it was a bit placeholder, but we'll come back to it. And they never did. But that's, but you know. All right, <laughs> fine. <laughs> the, it wasn't totally offensive, and the and the actual actual acting of it, I thought, was pretty good. Yeah, funny. I, I watched a sequence near the end. I don't. Um, there'll be no spoilers, but I watched a sequence near the end because I enjoyed it. I wanted to watch it again before mm. doing the podcast. Mm. And the uh, YouTuber that I was watching happened to have subtitles on in the game, and when you can see the words of the script. You totally get how the lines, I mean, this is what I'm describing here is acting, but it actually, that made me appreciate the actors actually make, really make that stuff work. Mm, yeah. And yeah. that is a large part due to the fact that they can do because it's mocap to Jesus and, you know, yeah, the facial yeah. capture is really good. And for that, you know, it's like, if, I mean, that's been true for games for a little while, but it felt like a good example of like, Amazing eyeballs, really what, so good bulging, Se- bulging eyes. Seer's eyes, yeah, who's who's right? like a, a, a your kind of major go to NPC in the game. Whoever whoever the actor is, she has huge eyes, yeah. <laughs> and they are rendered. But with they're not all quite their... as protuberant, are they? I, right. don't, I don't know. But it feels like the good part of having crossed over the uncanny valley and gotten to the other side, where yeah. like there's there are moments in that game where the line maybe isn't dazzling writing but she sells it by like her eyes widening which mm. is not something games were particularly good mm. at doing yeah yeah this, mm. where you you know the expression is that kind of yeah i bought you know. all of the expressions in that game which yeah. is not something i think even for the forearm gribbly alien man who's yeah. also really expressive <laughs> gribbly alien man i think actually has the best <laughs> best face out of all of them yeah yeah because yeah. well, yeah, yeah, there's so much more nuance to the way his mouth moves yeah, i think or maybe it's just advertised because it's like eight times the size of everybody else's mm. yeah right but it's but there's, yeah, yeah there's a i mean i think maybe the surprise well. in seeing so much humanity in a great slab of a body right and, uh, although, although and i did think that the aliens were a little bit kind of like none of them were very interesting like star wars is a good line in doing interesting right. monsters and this mm. like they're all kind of like well i can see that it's star wars-esque at, at some point you you get um you get to see what your mentor looked like without trying to spoil mm. anything and your mentor is one of star wars more dumb alien designs <laughs> i'd say so that is <laughs> like fucking ridiculous i'm gonna i'm gonna be able to deep cut the shit out of I, kn- I knew <laughs> you would i, I was so, waiting for this. Uh, your mentor is a lasat uh, which is, uh, based, the only other character like that that's been seen is in Star Wars Rebels, which is a cartoon with a mm. much more, um, like stylized art style. Mm. Are they frog vampires? They are frog vampires, <laughs> but okay. they were based on the original Ralph McQuarrie concept art for Chewie. Well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but also, Chewie is kind of a pretty dumb looking character. And, right. And actually in, in this game, the they game don't, they struggles don't do, with Wookiees. The yeah, Wookiees are very loud. It struggles with Wookiees. The Wookiee tech, tech is not up it's there. It's not up there. No. Is it the hair? What's wrong? Hair. But he's an Nvidia hair. Yeah. They, yeah, no, they, 
they look like a uh, straggly dogs that have been roaring in tar <laughs> i was going to go very hairy tampon <laughs> <laughs> also good yeah can anybody do a wookie noise yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, uh, yeah, I don't want to be the only person who talks about it. Obviously, I'm the resident, uh, Star Wars apologist, so I was probably going to like it, but I really did like it. Um, and storytelling's part of that. Six but, out know, of ten. I think it's a solid eight. <laughs> I know, I think it's, pro- it's probably a six slash seven, though. There's a lot, there's a lot right of edge, kind of weird out. little sort of <laughs> crappy bits about it, though. Like, it is changing. So, like, like the slides. Loads, they're very good at sort of, like, giving you an environment that looks eminently hold on to a ball and you just jump into nothing. And, like, oh, it doesn't work. Okay. I didn't find that at all. I did all the time. Hmm. And, like, you know the way that um, Uncharted will, like, there will be... You can just... You just know you'll make a gap. It's because they're know? bright yellow. Like, they just, like... Paint planks yeah, but yellow. there's it's also like, oh, okay, there's, so yeah, they're they're very explicit about it. They got in in Uncharted Four, they got a, a bit more. They've managed to nail, I think, the sort of Hot naturalistic and yet evident. Yeah, um, and I like. I think that's probably the pinnacle of the form. The you know, yeah. Um, but I thought that like there are loads of little things like you you run for a for a jump, and in this one, like you'll miss, and you go well, okay. Like, was I meant to then or not? Whereas Uncharted will go, right, we'll just extend the jump. Like, they, oh, you made right, it. Right, nice yeah. one. I think that might also be a consequence of its structure because it is a, oh, yeah. a Castlevania and you are going to get a way to extend that jump. Oh, um, no, there are some There are some that evidently I can't. And there are others where I just jumped the wrong timing or there's, right. there was like a rope that I didn't hmm. like swing enough on. Sometimes you know, the rope kind of glows thing. so that you can grab it yeah. and you go to grab it and you just don't. Yeah, as long as you got to pull it to you. It's no, lot- no, you pull it to you. You can oh, do, the, do the action. Yeah. It says, do the action now, and you do the action, and you go, it does have I, straight I, past it, it. To me, it feels like it needs another, like, three or four months in the oven. Yeah, exactly. It has, yeah. Some, like, it has some of those, like, foibles, but also yeah. has some, like, performance problems as well, which I experienced massively on PC. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I'm getting, yeah, yeah load, like, if I'm going to go into a new area and, like, you better be ready for some stuttering. Yeah, I had like a couple of moments where it's slightly thought about chugging, but it's not not really. Are you on SSD? I was wondering this actually. Yeah, is like yes. I'm, I am not yeah, on yeah, SSD. Yeah, yeah, SSD. Not to pay backseat QA, but I think it has an issue with streaming because I played it all on PS4, right? And uh, it looks great. It's a beautiful game, yeah, but it has clearly has some assets with stream- issues with streaming assets. There's a bit of pop in. Uh, well. And I found on PS4 that if I run fast enough into a new area, you get to encounter a secret enemy, the deadly stormtroopers of Tipo Squadron, Ooh, um, who nice. will T-pose at you and float at <laughs> oh, you right, with yeah. a, a blaster of carbines pointing out of their torsos oh, wow. until they trigger another animation, at which point finally the animation arrives. And there, there we go. I so um, it, it is janky. However, it's jankiness almost. It didn't detract from how much I enjoyed it. And also, in a way, it felt like... Uh, I mean, I suppose it's impossible to talk about Souls without talking about its kind of context, but this felt like a really solid game that a company was tasked to make in two to three years, probably yeah. since. Yeah, that's really that. Yeah, that yeah it feels it, yeah. like, and it feels like they got, a, they, they, they did it. You know what I mean? I'm really, yeah. I'm, I'm very pro respawn generally because I love Titanfall 2 and I think yeah. there's a lot of real talent in that studio that gets yeah. unappreciated, particularly yeah. in single player context. But I feel like a spot of me was like, yeah, you guys were given a job, which is fix EA's massive blunder with Battlefront 1. Sure. And, 
you you gone and done it like you yeah. you did it it's you a, fin- yeah it's a sort of 20 to 25 hour single player game with no bullshit in it right yeah like that's yeah it's actually true there's it's, not it's a lot really of bullshit unusual just to have, like the, well uh, the outer worlds was like that as well <laughs> there's i mean i'm sure that, i mean no microtransaction bullshit or oh i see yeah, um, right. yeah. kind of like service game bullshit uh it's just you're gonna have this game and it's gonna be self-contained and you're mm. gonna have a nice 20 hours with it that said so the the whole the the structure of it is quite interesting because uh, at, uh certainly at the beginning of the game you think it's going to be this very much metroidvania thing where you enter uh, uh, a big open expanse uh well actually the first few levels are, are very linear to get you through t- t- tutorial but then you enter sure. the tutorial you're dumped into this big open place lots of different directions you can go some of them are uh, you transpire to be locked off to you by abilities you don't have yet yeah and then you go through this environment and there's usually a number of different paths you can pursue at any time and you're likely to circle back and get collectibles and things like that. Mm. I feel that across the course of the game, it pretty much abandons that and mm. then becomes very linear in a number of levels. And then in certain environments, it, it although it's not necessarily still linear in terms of the actual kind of geography of the environment, your path through it is constantly being corralled by yes, really yes. annoying intrusive cutscenes and you're always being punted down these fucking slaloms yeah. which aren't you know oh, man, ice slums, they do like mud slaloms, slaloms the just slalom slaloms slaloms who knows it's just every like, planet has its own fucking slalom like what are the chances and Dathomir towards the end like yeah. those yeah, I hated real, Kashyyyk actually I really did really not well enjoy Kashyyyk yeah. really at all mm. um, and uh, Dathomir was more interesting but only because I had a weird uh, Dathomir is a, a planet you can go to right at the beginning. Yeah, that's what I did. Um, yeah. But there's no point because you yeah, can't. Oh, you get a very good lightsaber upgrade if you go there. Oh, that's true. Actually, okay. Yeah. So there are collectibles in the environment. But yeah, yeah. The, the other thing, the other bugbear I have with it is the way that it man, it, it, it uses uh, the environment to seed story and collectible items, which is it's taking it's cribbing almost directly from Dark Souls in in a way which I you know which is advisable I would say for yeah. a, a game of that structure. But it doesn't really understand what the motivations are for those things. So when you hmm. go, uh, you, you know, you're you're finding new chests and uh, and things. You open them up and. And it's, they're just lightsaber skins and you can't so really that, see your fucking lightsaber at any point in the game yeah, okay. and like it's not the same as i mean it's fine that, that is not like an, a completely trivial motivation i'm not denying it but like it's not the same as finding a piece of armor which tells you a story about that right. world and also changes your gameplay and sure, also changes sure, sure. your aesthetic completely and even on top of that, there are, they've obviously tried to do the thing where there are meant to be stories being told in the environments. Yes. And you can go through and you can pick up these kind of memories, basically. But they are really, really boring stories, mm. generally speaking. And you, you, and it's frustrating because you'll, you'll kind of explore everywhere you can go on a planet and there'll be, uh, and there's a map which basically pretty much straight up tells you whether you can do a thing and get mm. through a door or what yeah that's right and there will be there'll be a red door and you'll be like fuck i've got to go somewhere else and get some other upgrade yeah you go to another planet you instantly get that upgrade and you're like oh fuck it okay i'll go back <laughs> and you go back and you go through all the different loading screens and cutscenes or whatever get a and, poncho. and you get there and you get either you get a poncho or or, or you know uh <laughs> blando says hmm somebody made pots in this room and you're like fuck <laughs> off <laughs> see everything you've just said for me was a huge strength Oh, really? I fucking love that about it. But wouldn't it be better because if those things were more exciting? No, because... There's the, a deep lore to the pot. No, no, it's not that. It's because <laughs> I didn't realise until I played this that I... 
I I think I am you done. Crave boredom. No, I am done with AAA <laughs> action games in the way that they previously existed. Hmm. I think the era of like a Uncharted, Uncharted is a great game, but it's that follow A to B completely Simon Says arc. Yeah, the last seven to eight hours and tells you a story. Like I don't really feel the need to do that again. And I I actually really liked this finding of the middle ground Mm -hmm. between the kind of exhaustion and trials of a full from software game. And, uh, like it's an easy Castlevania. Yeah. It is a Castlevania where you press the map button and it tells you, you do have the upgrade for this and you don't have the upgrade for that. I don't have a problem with any of that. But my problem is that the motivations just aren't there for me to find those, the storytelling. I mean, it's not about the, 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 it's not about the structure of it. That's the problem. It's about the actual things that they put there to motivate that structure, which I find find to be just insubstantial. I found that enormously relieving because. Uh, Because you could ignore them. No, because like, because sometimes they're super important. Like one time in 50, the thing you get from the identical box that you got a boring story from before mm. was is actually like super vital. It's like, oh, it's, an, it's basically another Estus flask. It's a health upgrade. Or yeah, you get like occasional upgrades and stuff. But like that's... So that, you can't ignore them, but then they're you nearly always them. underwhelming. So the way, I would, the way I would put it is, it's the journey, not the destination. The pleasure of those moments is there's a lot of good environmental puzzles trapped around the game. There's a lot of interesting secrets that are hidden behind... A, f- a fun puzzle that requires you to combine combine your powers in interesting ways. You have the ability to push, pull, slow time, you know, double jump, do a bunch of like other sort of object manipulation stuff. Yeah. And I found that enjoyable to kind of go into a room and to be able to look at the map and for it to tell me by lighting up in green, yeah. you do have the tools to solve this. And mm-hmm. then to take away the anxiety of do I have the right upgrades? Do I have the right stuff? And just let me play. I agree. Yeah. Um, and like, there's an element of which obviously like I will always enjoy playing Star Wars dress up. So there's getting the skins and stuff for me Poncho. is I mean, fine. Like it's easy to poo poo it, but actually I think, um, so for, you know, with the avoidance of the very, very occasional health upgrade and there's like three in the whole game. So it's not hmm. like maybe like there's, there are not very many six at least it's maybe uh, is it six? I got, I got to five charges by the end you can get them through then okay i'm I'm sure there are more because i haven't 100 percented all the areas yet right there there probably are more but nonetheless it's not a regular occurrence with the exception of that like the majority of the rewards you get are cosmetic i thought that was actually great or at least i found it a huge relief because it made me it actually diminished the big town problem for me because it meant that i didn't obsess over everything it was like i can i can afford to bypass a few ship skins and a robot skin and a poncho or two Hmm. as i go through this area and i can just it like I felt I found myself in a middle ground between being purely on the game's um you know planned progress for me and a little bit on my own on my own particular course with just enough ability like essentially a linear game but with the ability to poke at the fringes of it just enough to feel like I had some agency hmm. and that was a really good balance for me like I really genuinely enjoyed it for that reason particularly coming from something like Death Stranding which oscillates so wildly right. from h- hardcore linear to the point where you're not even touching the controller anymore yeah. to so open you're sort of lost in the woods which is part of the feeling part of the that it was yeah to be able to play this sort of it's a popcorn thing but it, the fact hmm. that like it's a popcorn thing that's a really good way of putting it yeah I would I would ho- I would wholesale autopilot my way through an uncharted now yeah and this made me sit up and actually play occasionally and go oh that you know the, what you were saying alex like i think i did learn to pass its way of communicating different interactable things in different planets mm. and when you do that you're like oh it's telling me to go this way but that's a wall runnable wall because mm. it's ridged mm. so i'm going to go that way and see what happens and oh i've i've unlocked a blue poncho 
It's and weird I'm, that the wall that looks the most climbable turns out to be the one you can wall run on, but not climb. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's, you yeah. learn it after a few hours. Like, oh, yeah. No, it's not something yeah, that you no, struggle with. It, I, I think there are inconsistencies in the way it deals with stuff, which are quite frustrating. Mm. I think, uh, like... Um, a good illustration of this. I think this applies across the game, across different systems, but this is just one trivial system where uh, sometimes you'll pick up an item and you'll get uh, like a recording or, or mm. and sometimes, sometimes that recording um, uh, will be longer than the, the actual voice actor that you hear. And then you have to open it and then go and listen to a full recording of that. Oh, right. uh, but sometimes it'll be a completely different description which will also contain pretty important information, or at least I feel it is, yeah. that's completely different from the actual clip you heard. And then sometimes it will just be exactly that mm. repeated. And you're like, well, I don't know which one it is. Yeah. And it, but, but, and it's not, it's not like that's, I'm not like, fuck this game, throw it out the window because of that. But it, 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 it that speaks mm. to a certain like slight kind of, inconsistency amongst the people m- making the game about what they thought these systems were for and i feel that 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 exists right. across a lot of its systems it including just, like the taxonomy for which it describes traversal and yeah. you know the, the in fact down to the entire level design i feel like the people who designed kashik were probably the same people who designed l- like some of the more linear levels right, for I example see. and then the yeah. people who designed bagana probably the same people who designed I forget the other planets. Uh, Zepho. Zepho, yeah. yeah. yeah Zepho's great. Zepho's uh, great. Yeah. Only yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> Zepho. Bogano. I, every time it came up, I went, <laughs> Bogano. <laughs> I, I love saying that. Uh, it just, a couple of layers of polish and clean up mm. over like four to six mm. months would have done the game been up to like mid 80s they put, and higher. but they did mm. put a lot of focus on important stuff like sort of like the environments are I mean I've only seen great. a couple now like but they're they fucking they look great. Great. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And, and yeah I just I love its friendliness like so yes. it's, it's full of yes. it's full of all of these collectible items and things and I'm fucking genuinely I realise playing this game being so relieved by its decisions that I'm tired of that like I'm tired of the feeling that I might have missed something so I need to double back like I played, you know, this year I've played Devil May Cry 5 and mm. Sekiro. Uh, I fucking love Sekiro and Sekiro is definitely the best game of those three. Yeah. But uh, Devil May Cry 5 I had a really difficult relationship with because I, lo- I loved parts of it and other parts of it I found myself just ruining the school of design that relies on you always turning left when the critical path tells you to turn right. Yeah. Because there is going to be something there and it's going to be an upgrade currency that you fucking need, which is one of the reasons I love Jedi uh, Fallen Order's decision to it just be a fucking poncho if you choose to turn left and go the off-beaten path. Well, this is the weird thing. I actually found its, its illustration of what was the way to go very, very uh, misleading. Uh, oftentimes in the games, you're, you're required to do the wrong thing in order to go the right way. Right. And it's not clear that that's the right way. And oftentimes I'd be like, mm, oh, okay, right. so I'm going to clear up this area before I go through the obvious way I need to go. And I'd find that that actually progressed me to the next area. Yeah. I'd be like, what the... F-? But I went completely the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. I, I pulled down this thing that wasn't meant to be pulled down and then so I did the I, thing. I, I didn't was, hate yeah. that. I agree with you, actually. I think that is a weird yeah. thing it does. I, yeah. I didn't hate that I don't because hate in a way it, it, it encouraged me to chill out and just yeah. be like, fuck it, I'm on yeah, a journey. You don't yeah. like, have to do that. Like, but you will find the thing I've, you're I've gone down for. a fucking yeah. slalom run. But, but at the same time, I feel that that is that undermines its the, the sense of uh, coherent space. Like... This is the other thing that the Souls games do, which I think Star Wars will always struggle with, uh, 
which is that the Souls games, the, the places that you go to have a purpose and they're structured as though they serve that purpose. Right. Whereas Star Wars games, it's just a big fucking techno thing that you're going through and it doesn't really matter what it does, generally speaking. Mm. So there's no kind of, there's no logic which you can apply to it to understand the navigation of it. And, right. And that's, I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, this has been true through every Star Wars game, I think, for all of time, that mm. you go into a space and it's just this, you know, a whole bunch of floating gantries over a lava pit. And you'd be like, why did they build the space station this way? Star Wars Galaxies is the notable exception to that. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah well, because it was a proc gen massive open world. So it was, oh. it just fields. I remember when it was all fields. I'd say this game, like, <laughs> it's not trying to be uh, Dark Souls, it's, it's Dark Siders. Yeah, it's the other great right. comparison. It is, it is Dark Side. That is the template that they've, they've right. settled on. But, but, it the, co- the, so the, the, the consequence of this form of design means that when you enter a big open world space, you don't progress through it in a way which, in air, which describes any kind of intentionality in your part. You're yes, just like, right, I, I blunder and I arrive. Hello. Because it's all basically <laughs> corridors and you're, but that's, but corridor that's, that's right, totally so. fitting. You don't know where you are. Like you're, but that doesn't, but it doesn't, you're blando. You've got there. You don't know why you're fucking there, <laughs> but that's not uh. true. So like it comes from the fact mm. that you're, it's trying to describe a movie experience fundamentally. That's yeah. the fantasy it's serving. And there's, there's a causality problem there. Not only because, uh, you go, like, no point during these films does the people just turn up and like, I don't know where the fuck to go. I guess we'll just wander around until something happens. To uh, us. hang on. <laughs> the, the entire Death Star sequence from A New Hope is that. I guess we've blundered oh. into the control room. I guess we've blundered into the precision deck. I guess we've blundered into <laughs> okay. that. Yeah, we've, got, we've fallen in the bin. The bin has led directly back to the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, okay, maybe that is really canon. But the, but the, it, it wants to put you, like, I think this is like it wants you to put you in a world as well. Like, and it, and the mm. world, like, yeah, sure, the door through to the net, the, the, where you're meant to be going is the smaller one. And so I, I think, I don't think, I think the key fine. to the, uh, you go, we're all fucking okay. gagging for it. They go, <laughs> so the, the, the other parts of that where it's, 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 uh, disobeying the kind of causality of the movies is that it has a bonfire system a la the Dark Souls mm, where yeah. you refresh enemies by meditating at, at meditation spots and you also regain your health and your Estus points, the health kits, whatever. And, uh, except that uh, in Dark Souls, there is fundamentally a, a fiction reason for, for that, that loop to exist. And in Star Wars, it doesn't, but you can still do things in the world. Yes, give me some more of that fucking poison. <laughs> yes, Jesus, pour that. Actually, you should know the, that they've finished the poison. Ah, uh, the sweat plague in liquid form. Mm. Um, but, but, in, but in this, you can p- push down a shortcut and die and then respawn and the shortcut's there for you. Mm. And w- so, the Uncharted games and other linear cinematic games of that type are trying to present, like, through multiple playthroughs, the perfect cinematic experience that you experience mm. in the cinema. Yeah. And yeah. in this, it's like, what is that experience? Yeah. What does that look like? What is the linear playthrough of this? Because I, in mm. canon-wise, I fucking died, and I still got the shortcut. And, and the then, enemies have come back, and like... Whoa. And I guess it doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. but at the same time... It, it kind of feels like it, there's some Are kind of weird friction there. That there's that friction we describe <laughs> a kind of what dissonance. You, between what? <laughs> between, oh, no. We well, can't drink more say, of this. I would say it would be between, so you had the sense of where you were in the world and you had the sense of the continuity of mm. the life of the character you were playing. A story of sorts. Were, yeah, a story of sorts. <laughs> a, a procession from A to B yeah. to C to D. Um, of this, um, against the game, which for some reason we're going to describe in Latin. 
Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I think that 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 whenever I think of that particular Latin phrase, all I think about is Tom's Twitter handle. So I would describe it. <laughs> <laughs> I would describe it as the Tom story uh, friction problem. Exactly, that's the yeah. perfect way to describe it. That means like we don't need this right. Exactly. Every um, so it's funny. I was surprised we, we, about how much that made me care. Like, I, I really I, did want, like, why? So this feels this so arbitrary. This is what is wild to me is I, the man with a, like, three year ongoing Star Wars role playing campaign, which has its own art that I care about a lot, <laughs> didn't give a shit about that. And the reason being that, like, I, so, the way I would put it is, and I would say this as well as the answer to why it's some of it's like you, you know, you force sense what went on in a room and you found out that someone hid there for 20 minutes eight years ago. <laughs> um, like the reason that that stuff worked for me, oh, partly because I am very tired and don't have time. Well, one thing is I, I, any uh, game writer out there who writes codex entries mm. with a little bit of economy, <laughs> I have a tremendous amount of time for. Yeah, you can fit it enough. into a tweet, fit it in a tweet. Yeah. Like the, um, the, the economy of its codex entries, the fact that its database is maintainable, the little small things it does, like the fact that when you, um, it doesn't bombard you with app style notifications when you have unread codex entries, it just lets them mm. sit there when you, for when you want them. That shit is like, those are small decisions, but they yeah. make the whole thing feel more comfortable. That's true. Um, yeah. and the, the thing I would say is in a Star Wars game, it doesn't, um, and this, I'll get to the respawning point in a second, but in a Star Wars game, the, the weight of that universe, which obviously not everyone gives an equal shit about, but it's, you know, it's in the probably top five most widespread fictional mythological spaces that exist, I would say, mm. uh, particularly in, well, and if you limit it to 20th century pop culture, 21st century pop culture, certainly, it's why they get Werner Herzog in. Um, mm. <laughs> to talk about if you had seen The Mandalorian, how would you rate Werner Herzog's role in it, just out of interest? A beautiful, almost heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fantastic. <laughs> and now we him. see the Pog falling off the cliff. What does the Pog know about his television? The Pog's destiny is only death. <laughs> <laughs> Love Werner Herzog. <laughs> Me too. He's a. I was trying to figure out like the phrase "national treasure" doesn't have an international equivalent. Yeah. No, so like yeah. he's an Earth treasure. Yeah. <laughs> cosmic. Yeah, he is a cosmic treasure. Um, yeah. Um, oh, it's, I could. Yeah. To 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 see a Mandalorian <laughs> on a big television. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Um, the uh, anyway the. Um, um, what was I talking about? The rum has so come. The, the, the rum has come. Um, but the thing is, that universe, people get it. And when they get it, and they understand kind of what its vibes are, Star Wars is an ongoing exercise in playing the hits, but not too much. And there is no... The, the real tragedy of modern Star Wars, I would say, is that there's no balance that works for everybody. Um, when someone disrupts the formula... Uh, the nerds, they get very, very upset. When someone sticks rigidly to the former formula, they get upset. You know, there's, there's really no way to win with Star Wars and there's also no way to lose at the same time. And so, uh, when you're world building in that space and doing like environmental writing for Dathomir or whatever it is, Dathomir is a planet with a huge amount of material in the expanded universe, but not in the films. 
say. So interesting. Which um, is Dathomir, by the way. It's the witch planet. It's, it's the witch planet. It's the scary one that you have the option to go to at the start, but probably shouldn't unless you want a cool upgrade. Okay. Which I'll talk about. Um, that has a vast amount of back matter. Like the Night Sisters, all of that stuff goes back decades in the expanded universe. And huh. there's that weird thrill of like, oh shit, this stuff's in a big game. Because to me, not having read any of the expanded universe, that felt really weirdly out of place. Like, right. they're literally described as witches. The yep. things they do are magic. Yep. And I'm like, oh, this is from but a different it, thing from but Star like, Wars. But like, this was, this is 90s Star Wars that was then adopted really heavily by all of the very, very popular <coughs> cartoons. So the Clone Wars cartoon mm. and Rebels both go there. They both deal with that stuff. Hmm. You know, the, there's, there's a lot of it. Like, it's referenced to the end of Solo. Um, I do like it. I like the character that you get out of it as well. Yeah, yeah, um, she, yeah. And so there's a lot of fan service there, but also there's a maybe, and maybe this is a, maybe this is a fault. There's a reliance on the fact that people are familiar enough with this universe that a little detail, a little moment of character in this universe, like someone hid here because they were afraid, whatever it is, while not qualifying as world building in the traditional game sense or essential in the traditional game sense, is actually kind of atmospheric and notable. And the yeah. the, the goal is to create an atmosphere, not to tell you how the world fits together because traditionally mm-hmm. in a game picking up law text is about reading like someone's email that they dropped when they said i got a job here as an engineer to run the big engine that makes the robots go but then i died <laughs> anyway i'm running out of blood love you <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's very um it's very metroid prime that right way, that stuff like it yeah. does the very same thing with you know you get to actually shit of, yeah the the zepho which are new for this they're I think, very like the chico yeah, whatever they're called Chiro Chico time. Oh, so the Zepho aren't part of this. I don't believe so. I oh, might right. be okay. wrong, but I think they are. They new. seem like a pretty fucking big deal. Yeah. Well, there's a lot. Of them. One of the things that Star Wars has repeatedly done in the last couple of years is go, and one of its ways of getting around, I think, the um, myopic and vast failures of the prequels trilogy <laughs> is to go. The universe is a big place, and a lot of things are possible, and a lot of interpretations of events are possible, and so the thing you saw might just be a shit part of a still good hole. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, and so for all that stuff, I I feel like, um, Alex, you're going to say something, but I feel like we should talk about combat because we've talked about structure a lot, Mm -hmm. but... Oh, just, this is just really quickly about the, about the dying thing. I think I think they just put it in so they could put the company name in when you die, because like, it's, it's, it's a reasonable thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Writing. it's a good like, point. Come on, yeah. for so fuck I think sakes. Yeah, I think it's right on the book. Yeah, it's very too on the nose. On the nose. Yeah, yeah. my my view. Of, yeah, that is a bit too on the nose. My view of it is simply that that way of exploring world is satisfying. Yeah, like it is satisfying. It is satisfying to achieve a shortcut mm-hmm. and know that you're now safe. Yeah. And I think it, it I, I agree with you completely. Like Dark Souls manages to take that, that loop of feeling a bit exposed and then finding the next bonfire and being relieved and make a story out of that. Mm-hmm. I think almost wisely this doesn't try I, because I, Dark Souls yeah. told basically the story you can tell with that. Yeah, well, Bloodborne did the same thing. They told a slightly different story, but it was the same story. Right. And also, Sekiro <laughs> told a different story, but it was the same story, really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's true. I, I, I want to say about like, um, Fallen Order. I think they've just judged the difficulty of it absolutely perfectly in terms of the amount of kind of friction and stress about hmm. when it comes to exploring environments. What difficulty are you playing at? Uh, so I was playing it like the first one down, which is so not easy, but like master. There are four master. So, oh, so it goes, it goes easy. It has four. So it goes easy. Jedi. It goes like, it's something like Padawan, Jedi Knight, Jedi Master. Yeah. Then the scary one. Yeah. So I, I went down to Jedi Master just to see what it was like. Um, and it's not, 
precise enough to be a Sekiro. I played it all on Jedi Master, oh, and really? I want to talk about that. Oh, but, interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, but I want to say that in terms of the actual kind of exploration stuff, the way that it, in the maps it highlights areas that you can access in green and areas that you can't access in red is an absolutely spot on uh interpretation of how players are going to be enjoying a Star Wars game. As so players coming into a Star Wars game like this, yeah. they can ramp up the difficulty levels mm. uh, and they can go really hardcore if they want to with the combat. But they do their best to put just a tiny amount of friction, but not enough for people who want a Star Wars adventure to enjoy. Mm. I think it's just really well pitched in terms of yeah. its difficulty and in terms of its pacing and in terms of, uh, even though a lot of it is very contrived and derivative in terms of its kind of sequences. Yeah, sure. You're going to climb, climb up some vines. You're going to wall run a bit. You're going to slide a bit. You're going to do a combat, you know, climb up some more vines. That is very, very old fashioned game design, like 10, mm. 15 years old now. Um, but I think, that as a kind of like pill capsule to deliver a kind of sweet, sugary yeah. dose it's of Star popcorn. Wars goodness. It's a good popcorn experience. Ex- uh, yeah, is 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 absolutely on point for what that game should be. And mm-hmm. uh, I want to say, the, and the lightsaber looks and feels fucking amazing. Like they've done yeah. such a great, great job of making that uh, deflecting bolt back at stormtroopers. Uh, that the amazing like number of barks they've recorded. I, for about, I really want to talk about barks. Which is incredible. Like, <sighs> don't you feel though? Like for the light side of the force, everybody who's on the Jedi side oh, is a real murder. downer. And then you, you've got really, you just have to admire the joie de vivre of the average stormtrooper. <laughs> they are up for anything. Can I? <laughs> some of them are, but some of them aren't. Like, yeah. that's what's well, great no, about the barks. Well, because... only when you kill all the rest of them, and you're like, oh, maybe I'm gonna die here. Yeah. You're like, but yeah, I think that's probably likely. Pal. Some of them are so overconfident. <laughs> yeah. That's very, very funny. Yeah. That's really funny, right? And you just punt them straight off in the yeah, edge. Yeah, you know, like, right. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, there's a bunch of things I want to jump off from there, Tom, because I think you've nailed a bunch of things at once. You're right. But let's talk about fucking barks, because I think this might have, yeah, I, this might be the most en- entertained I've been by NPC barks since, um, Splinter Cell Conviction. It's got, it actually had, and for the, for a game which I don't really like the dialogue in generally, mm. the incidental bark-based dialogue or conversations you overhear, I think, are pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, funny. I mean, I think that is a testament to, like, Respawn's firm tradition of having guards talk about something funny <laughs> while you sneak up on them to murder them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, there's, there's, so the barks are really, um, reactive in a way that is, I mean, it's such a breezy game. I think that's where it gets away with a lot of stuff, but, like, mm. Um, there's, it's, it, it's the whole remit. I love the way that bosses will, when you do something that is good, they will tell you that's a bad idea. Like, dodging won't save you, Jedi. Right. <laughs> or, or like, parrying me at perfect timing. That's shit, actually. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. Oh, you've got stims, do you? Dickhead. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's really good. The fact that the stormtroopers react to everything you do. So it's not just, you know, combat bots. It's like, he's rolling around. Mm. He's doing a jump. Oh, yeah. he threw a lightsaber at me. Although it's pretty sad when they're like, maybe we can win this. You're like, oh, no, come on. Yeah, exactly. I just, I just mispressed. It's, it's like, it's a, yeah, it's a weird decision to make stormtroopers like faintly sympathetic because yeah. they are so helpless. Brilliant. And there's this like, yeah, like when you get like, when you get them down to one left, sometimes they'll say like, oh, the yeah. entire squad's down, but, uh, oh no. <laughs> like the, the occasion you get them saying like, I don't think we can do this. And then they'll get murdered. The best thing I saw though, is so it also has a lot of monsters and a lot of creatures. Mm, sometimes, yeah. sometimes those creatures, you know, alien space monster, sometimes just a goat. 
Oh, those goats! <laughs> yeah. motherfuckers. Sometimes it's just guy. a goat. In those space. goats. Those goats kill me more than anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Dangerous oh, no, kill goats. Me, but, you know. So I did want. They're the only ones that are allowed to be dismembered. Goats. No, they, they can all be no, dismembered. No, you can split. No, them not not humans so though. All animals can, but oh, yeah. all humans are protected from. That yeah. is full on. I can tell you this for a fact. That is completely Lucasfilm licensing law. Right. Um. I had. I um. I did the launch video series for tabletop game Star Wars Legion. Yeah. Right. And wrote the scripts for that and had to go through the Lucasfilm licensing on approvals process for mm-hmm. that. And their restrictions make complete sense because it's completely to step the line of law when it comes to what can and can't be sold or shown to kids. Yeah. But it does mean things like you can't ever point a blaster at the camera. Huh. They always have to be pointing slightly to the left or right. Yeah. Um, huh. uh, for reasons of threat, which is kind yeah, of interesting. interesting yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, uh, but the best, the best moment. So um, these, you know, it, you'll, you'll just frequently sequences where it'll drop a bunch of different types of stormtroopers in a room with a bunch of different types of monsters and you. Yes. And that combat sequence will just play out. But the best thing about it, and my favorite part of its jank, is the fact that the stormtroopers <coughs> will use the same marks on the animals. <laughs> uh, they won't say, they won't say, uh, um. He's doing a jump. They won't say like the really reactive stuff, but my favorite line in it was watching a scout trooper try and fight a goat while screaming, I need to see some identification. <laughs> <laughs> that is the kind of thing that a really efficient scout trooper would say to, to a goat. This is, this is the horror of the bureaucracy of empire. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck are you, man? I have to say, I like. I mean, I really enjoyed the combat in the game, even though I played it on a lower difficulty. I think than, right. than you guys, but. Um, uh, a lot of what I found enjoyable about it was finding a position in a level where I could force push or pull people off things mm, yeah, and sure. I did that to the expense of a huge amount of my health bar like it wasn't really about doing it like it wasn't I know if I had actually fought, bothered to fucking fight them, I could have finished the fight a lot easier. But I was just obsessed with getting getting into a position where I could pull people off things. Right, you just want to pull people off all the time. Apparently, I loved uh, I loved deflecting uh, bolts back at stormtroopers, and when mm. you get a certain upgrade for the lightsaber, you could do that with an extreme degree of efficiency that can delete a whole room of just ordinary stormtroopers. <laughs> In one, and that, like area. one of those midway through shouting, the Jedi's here, let's go! <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone's just dead and he's like, oh, I feel amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this is so this is one of, one of the other things I mean about its breeziness. Like, yeah. so mm-hmm. one thing I would plug it into is, do you remember earlier this year when a very tiresome internet person really managed to ruin Dark Souls purism for everybody by being a huge twat about Sakura? No. To kind of like, you know, if you, know if you don't is. play this on the hardest possible setting, if you, if you, you know, accept help, then you are not experiencing this as the developers intended. Oh, yeah, All is... of that kind of get good kind of gamery grognardy bollocks. Mm-hmm. This feels like the death of it in a way because it adapts just enough of what is satisfying about Dark Souls. Not the whole, obviously. Yeah. Because Dark Souls is a kind of unique creation. But it takes like 10% of that satisfaction of finding a loop and looping back to a bonfire and whatever mm-hmm. and manages to apply it to a game that also has difficulty settings and also lets you play it in any way you want. It yeah. also lets you engage with it as much or as little as you want. And that doesn't make you feel anxious about missing an upgrade because the upgrade was probably a fucking poncho. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and, um, and I think the, uh, the combat system is a really interesting example of this because, so do you guys both played it? Not on master the whole time, right? Yeah, so I flipped between just to see. Right. So the way the difficulty works is a testament to the fact they also built a combat sandbox, which we haven't really talked about at Mm. all. But the the only thing the difficulty does is it change like the changes the timing window for perfect parries rather than just blocks. 
It changes the amount of damage you receive and something else that I can't remember. It might be damage scaling for you. And when you pick the difficulty setting, you're shown each of these three bars yeah. as a proportion. And one of the reasons I decided to play the whole game on master difficulty, which is the second highest difficulty, is because it was one where all those bars were in the middle. Hmm. And what I wanted was to play the sandbox on default, hmm. on as designed, basically, hmm. rather than pulled one direction or the other, either harder or easier. And I did find that the difficulty swung really wildly. And one of the I reasons it swung wildly on the lower difficulty setting as well, actually. Right. But I mean, so the, the reason I was going to point out for that was because the, um, particularly the parry is quite inconsistent yeah. on master. And I got through the whole game, you know, I, I beat it, but some of those boss fights, particularly like the boss fights really required like a full on, like not done this since Sekiro level of pattern learning right. and really learning like what you can and can't do. And what I would say is I think it's combat system is like almost there. Yeah. yeah. But having played Sekiro this year, I would swap Sekiro's combat system into this oh, game. Absolutely. Any day. Oh and, yeah. But there's something with what they're going with. And one thing that I really enjoy. They want, they want to support button bashes though. They did, they couldn't do. Which so doesn't work at the high difficulty levels at all. Yeah. But oh, right. oh, so it, like, it just yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. Like you will yeah. fucking die. Like you, you know, yeah. you get annihilated, but. Hmm. Um, one thing I thought was interesting, which it has in common with Sekiro as opposed to Dark Souls, is one thing that really surprised me is even at the end of the game, I was realizing that in Sekiro you have all the gadgets. And I remember having a conversation with um, a Discord member, uh, Luke, about the last boss in Sekiro, which I won't talk about, hmm. but about how we both com- had completely different conclusions about what the right gadget was. Oh. Because Sekiro's uh, progression Mm. is such that it allows you like almost everything works the mechanics are relatively consistent and so i had a particular idea and he had a particular idea and we were both right because it turns mm. out there's two ways to approach this problem which is not like dark souls where it's, it's like a fucking amazing game because <laughs> sakura is a fucking amazing game yeah. um and at the higher difficulty levels fallen order has some of that what how, why is it not like dark souls because in dark souls um often well you can beat anything with anything yeah but often the guide will take the form of make sure you have this build or this weapon because this will help this sequence yeah. more than something else. Right. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's almost the opposite. Like I think in Dark Souls, there's way many more different ways to, to skin a cat, so to speak. Than- possibly. I suppose, I suppose the other key difference is in Dark Souls, you don't have all the options all the time. It's right. Like sure. They're, they're different genres. Like, y- yeah, mm. y- there isn't, there are no RPG systems to level up certain aspects of your character in, right. In, um, Jedi Fallen Order. Or it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just a, it's just an action game. Right. right. So you've just got your moves. You don't have that stat stuff. For sure. Right. And, and they, but they do something which I think is really cool, which is that like, I realized I was stuck on the last boss for a while. Yeah. Mm. Stuff. And, um, I turned down the difficulty. That's <laughs> how I, right. how and, I but that. I got through it and I realized, oh, shit the thing i've been one of the mistakes i've been making this is the game's credit was relying too much on the same pattern mm. and then i realized oh i have all these other powers that i picked up over the course of the game yeah and they all work in different moments and certain of her attacks can be really fucked up by certain uh, powers okay um so um i said her so it's gonna but whatever like yeah. Um, when people throw shit at you, slowing time is really fucking yeah, good. Slow time is great. Like, um, and that's the first power you have, so you forget you have it. But push is good in other circumstances. The fact that you can um, stop the animation for certain unblockable attacks before it happens with push is like an interaction you learn, hmm. and that process was really satisfying. But all of the individual little interactions of that don't feel quite tight enough 
mm. for it to pull together yeah, the way yeah. Sekiro did. Uh, absolutely. Like the parry window isn't quite tight enough no. because it's a weird one where it's not like, it's not a parry in the sort of parry deflect kind of way. The idea is you have your lightsaber up and held just in time mm-hmm. rather than yeah. to sort of swipe past the blow because you kind of do that anyway. It's, it's a weird system. It's almost like an animation failure because yeah. The, so the combat animations are incredible in this game, but when it comes to parrying, you expect that sort of thrust almost of a block to kind of counter what's happening, which yeah. Sekiro does really, really, really yeah. perfectly. And also Sekiro is just like frame perfect. When you press that button, it happens just mm. so, so fast. There's a wind up in And there's a wind up in this and, and that changes the dynamic. There's a sort of like massive. a wind up and then also it's like a muddiness on top of that. Like none yeah. of the movements are quite as kind of pin sharp. They're yeah. all sort of That's right. yeah. I mean, hard I, to tell. Yeah, I found myself saying, I pressed the fucking button then. I did press the button. You, you should have been rewarded for... <laughs> yeah. I think it's a distance thing as well. Like, I, I still don't have a really good sense of, of how long the lightsaber is and, like, what range I need to be at. Mm. I just haven't felt that... I think you will get media. there with that. Yeah, I think I'm probably getting better-ish, um, but it's, I've been surprised how long it's been taken. Yeah, the, the like... There was, there was, like, part of it was learning and part of it that just felt sort of, like... Like... There's, there's something, but it, again, you're probably right, Tom, it needed an extra couple of months to mm. kind of really come together. Like, I genuinely think if, if they had gotten the combat, like, really spot on, mm. it would have clearly been, it would have been, It'd yeah. Be like, I, I seeing, think seeing yeah. the, the, seeing the kind of like gifts of it going, especially from Singo for, to oh, yeah, yeah. Singo, like, mm. and you can see, holy shit. So like, actually, when you're doing it, like, that is the thing happening and it is deflecting the thing and it's sweeping, you know, like, it's... It looks, it looks fucking amazing, basically. Yeah. And it does yeah. feel really good. It does, yeah. I think it's, I think it's testament again. I turned down the difficulty on the very last boss fight when I kind of knew it was the last boss fight as well. And I was like, well, you I know, is, is, is the reward for learning these slightly kind of obfuscatory tales really going to be that great if the game immediately ends afterwards? And I was like, mm, probably oh. not. Yeah. I feel <laughs> I'll like just see the ending, thanks. One thing that it does that like felt to me like not like maybe not having enough experience designing this kind of thing is mm. particularly like several boss fights towards the end. Um, when you realize what it's doing design wise, it's perfectly clever. Like um, when a boss loses a third of their health bar the end of a particular combo they do will become unblockable. And when you start to learn all that stuff, there's a, mm-hmm. there is a satisfaction to learning that stuff that's probably only necessary at higher difficulty levels and stuff, but it's not communicated very well. No. And like in Dark Souls, a boss would communicate that they'd entered that stage by, I don't know, ripping one of the realm's arms off mm. and screaming <laughs> or something. Did like. you find, as fans of Sekiro, yeah. uh, that towards beyond the midpoint of the game, a lot of the boss battles... Yeah. Ended with cutscenes intervening and taking away your victory in some form or another. In Sekiro? No, in, no, in this in game. Fallen Order, yeah. Fallen Order, because I found that hugely, like, uh, like the last third, I, I get somebody, and even in cases where I had fully fucking won the fight, mm. uh, and in a cutscene would intervene and say, mm, actually, no, you lost. And I'd be like, mm, no, I don't know, that's I, true. Or just run away or something. I didn't really mind that because I'm a big nerd. <laughs> um, <Fair> <laughs> story me. Yeah. Um, one thing I, w- I, do, I do like about it is several boss fights have like mid boss fight cutscenes. They introduce a new element halfway through the boss fight. Yeah, that's fine. And when you subsequently try the boss fight, 
um, those cutscenes don't happen, out. but the yeah. effect just kind of kicks in. Of course, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Is, but you don't get like a herald. You're like, oh, this is the point where it's kicking in, right? Yeah, apart from the way it deals with respawns is because, very good. I think, yeah, because yeah, it allows you to you know what's going to happen, so right. you don't even have to okay. skip the cutscene. Yeah, it just introduces the new element, and you're you're yeah, golden. No, that's, like that's wise. Um, yeah, good, I don't, I don't mind losing. It's good. Yeah, it's a good game. And I've I've had terrible performance problems, uh, loads and loads of stuttering, in terms of like just loading into new environments. And it seems to be a thing like if you've got it on a hard disk rather than an SSD, then huh. this That'd might be, be my a gut problem. for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also like people on uh, PS4 have had massive frame rate problems, and unfortunately, I love the game so much. Like it's great. I'd give it an eighty happily. But I think it's a solid eighty. Yeah, yeah I think it's a solid eighty. Um, <laughs> I love that. So listeners won't be able to realise this, but this edge. this room is literally half PC game and half edge. Yeah, that's right. I work for PC game and probably yes, longer than I work for edge. <laughs> you are so edge. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a really positive sixty five. <laughs> no, that's a beautiful. No, it's not. Oh, is it, is it, it's a, it's a it's a seventy. It's a seventy, right? Can't, that's can't. very generous, Marsh. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an edge seven. I'd go. I, it, it's an eight. It's an eight. Ooh. Oh, he's gone soft. <laughs> Maybe. Actually, Alex, so before we wrap up on this, I need to ask you. Oh, yeah. How do you seven. feel about the robot now? Seven, then. No. <laughs> oh. Alex, how do you feel about the robot? Now? Yeah, yeah, we need to discuss the robot. We haven't discussed the robot in the room. Because I love the robot. <laughs> I don't see why you love it. Like it's the, like it's the blandest thing about Look, it. Like it's I just, Wally okay. with legs, dickhead. Okay. Well, <laughs> I I let's just, I like it more than first. I did. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's because explain it's, what this is. No one, no one's going to know what this means. Uh, so like B B one B D one. Yeah, it's, it's buddy. Very, it's, it's, it's your buddy. <laughs> you know, well, it's like B T. It's like B T in Titanfall two, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, it is. It's like BB. It's like poetry in Death Stranding. <laughs> yeah, God, if you're playing Death Stranding and try and play this game, BB, BD. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, this is a little kind of, uh, tiny little robot. It's got two legs. Yeah. He's got kind eyes. <laughs> kind eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he lives on your back and he hacks stuff for you. Uh, and Alex hates him, but this, that, that might be I, it. I like so, him so, a lot. So, I was moaning, moaning to, to Marsh about this the other day, but like, <laughs> So, uh, like, it follows a, ear it follows a template that was established in 1997, 19, 1977 with R2-D2, the cute robot. But R2-D2, the cute robot, finds its cuteness in the fact that it, it's a bin. It's a fucking bin. Yeah, but it's also an asshole. Like, okay, R2-D2 yeah, sure, sure. yeah, asshole but the, bin. But the character right. is, is kind of placed on, on the... The, the cool thing about R2-D2 is that the character is despite the fact that it's a bin, right? And then, but since then, they sort of going, feel the same oh, way with myself. We need, <laughs> <laughs> we need to put a cute thing in. We'll just make it cute in this to start with. And like, and it's like fucking Pixarification mm. it's like a bullshit. It's like, uh, I, don't yeah. need a fucking puppy. Well, so here's the thing. I really liked its mobility because it allows them to integrate it into the game in a way that, uh, yeah, it does really scuttle natural. about like a little, but it, you know, like, but, I, don't know, just, I don't know, like for me, like, and going back to the big town problem, like, one of that game's most like, oh, thank fuck for you moments is when you're about to miss a story collectible or something mm. and BD1 jumps off your shoulder and runs off to it and beeps right. and you then go follow them. And so yeah. the fact that it turns yeah, following yeah. the droid into like a find the collectibles hint system 
You know, it, it yeah. makes this explicit, yeah, like, no, puzzle yeah, fine, I but fucking love that. Like, make things easy function, for me. That's functionality, that's fine. Like, the functionality yeah, of the robot is fine. But, like, its presentation is, like, oh, so boring. I don't know. I feel like it's so meticulously animated and it's with you all the time and it reacts to all these yeah, things. But they put so but, much work into this shit robot. But, but, I feel but like, the fact it's meticulously animated is, is a sign of its cheapness in a way i think this makes you a cop <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i i, I liked uh, i mean i like i liked bd1 by then I, I think the dialogue the dialogue you have with it yeah uh, across the game is probably the only real thing which really grounds your character yeah and mm. i think it does that successfully and i think the dialogue you have with bd1 is probably the the, the best dialogue that's in the game yeah yeah i think but but at the same time i do agree with alex that there is just like it feels like a bit of what if a, it was a, a good a, robot, like a shortcut to stuff. It's like the whole Pixar thing where you know every Pixar character has this weird kind of asymmetrical smile now, where they can yeah. go eh, like that at the corner of their mouth, and it's just uh, uh, something grotesque about are that. You, and are I, you I feel to feel. Because they found the shortcut to feeling, and it's having one eye that's bigger than the other and making it go boop. But what if it was this? I would love to have seen because it mm. because actually, like I, I mean, I've seen the start of these conversations, and I and I do think they really work. Like they mm. are, I agree completely. But I would have liked the arc to be like it could be a thing that sort of to start with is like a sort of like oh why are we this with this thing Charmless but right junk, instead yeah. it's this kind of like bounding bounding little fun thing from the start <laughs> it's like well what there's no development in my relationship with this thing i know that i meant to find it cute from the start and I feel like it goes no further do than you that. want marvin the paranoid androids to be your yes <laughs> i want it stomping <laughs> along behind me or maybe no. crouched upon his shoulder oh, is not like, very good. little old man of the sea yeah. <laughs> No, oh, I feel like fucking planet. <laughs> God no! I think, I think what I'm... a lump of rock. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to like here. No, I, I did like the... all just microbes. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like the kind of the the puppyish kind of enthusiasm for everything is would be an interesting counterpoint to R two D two if they hadn't done BB eight in the meantime. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think the thing that like yeah. just to go from an like an animation perspective, R two D two, all of his personality is described audibly, basically. Yeah, yeah. And maybe the speed of his movement. That's literally they all had they all they had to go on, and they created one of the most kind of archetypal, brilliant personalities of a bin that has ever been <laughs> and then even bb8 like okay so there's more it has more kind of verbs it can use but even the verbs it uses are kind of they are i'm setting something on fire in uh, instead of a thumbs up like it projects like a, yeah, right. a little kind of zippo lighter that's great and this it might as well have a fucking face I don't totally agree with that. I think no? they do a bunch of cool things with its body language, like because it doesn't have arms, so it kind of does this sort of like avian, like head bob. Uh, so it's stuff. very Pixar lamp. It is very with eyes it's, no, because it looks like the Pixar lamp. That's the only way reason you keep saying that. the Pixar lamp with legs and eyes. It's the gone, Pixar it, lamp has one leg. Two legs. No, it's one leg. <laughs> no, no, no. What I'm saying BD8 has two legs. No, no, you mean BD1. BD1, whatever. BD1 has two legs. I feel like this is the issue that this is like. I don't hate it, but I just feel like it is just like they've taken the path of least resistance and not really kind of embraced what was so cool about it. But I think that they're really proud of themselves. That's what galls me, is that they're really proud of themselves. The author's dead. 
Alex, <laughs> the author is dead. Should they have done a, a kind of like a sinister... Is good. <laughs> should, should they have done a sinister Knight Rider just like slit... All right, uh, red gonna, light. Alex, I'm going to pause you the alternate, alternative version of this it, game. Yes, what, what, where what, what do you want? you have to run up to the bin that follows you <laughs> and hold circle to hold the bin. While you're holding the bin, you can go down Salem rides, but you can't do combat encounters. That would be amazing. What if you could throw the no, bin at the that enemies? that is Bennett Foddy's Star Wars game. <laughs> and the point is that... I mean, don't that, say that isn't amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm down with this. It's like, A-pitch, yeah. yeah. The, the point is, like what I thought they did well is they found a way to give you a droid companion which is a Star Wars thing Mm -hmm. in a way that works in a game context rather than a cinematic context because it's a character that can be with you at all times without it feeling contrived Mm -hmm. like it rides on your shoulders and that's cute and it helps build the relationship Um, and it helps you in meaningful ways but without being overpowered like so not it's not a spoiler to say you learn how to hack droids and all of its animations and little soundtrack things for hacking other droids are rad like there's uh, he uses little foot and he puts the little foot on the the, the hacking thing no but there's sort of cute little <laughs> stuff that happens like you can send it after one of the K2SO brawler droids and it will start beeping the Imperial March as it like sneaks up on them oh stuff. really yeah oh, what the fuck there's no idea little stuff like uh, hidden in there mm. that, like, oh that, I mean uh, you know I, props the, to you but it's like oh fuck off <laughs> <laughs> not, not at, at, at the game yeah okay. but they yeah like um and like the um you know the little animations when it's in the cockpit when you're like going from hyperspace to one planet to another and it'll start trying to push a button then stop when mm-hmm. Reese looks at it like there's all these little things going on they give it loads of character I think proud I think, themselves yeah and oh, I can't believe you've done this <laughs> I can't believe you've done this Alex trying to be happy joy. for a developer that's worked hard on something I, I like all the I like the knurled lightsabers that I can't see when he's holding them or carrying them but I can see in the menu I love oh. collecting seeds to grow on the spaceship. <laughs> t- <laughs> I'll say this. If you're planning on playing it, don't fucking customize your lightsaber until a certain point in the game. Huh? Otherwise, lots of cutscenes don't make sense and a certain plot point loses its weight. Mm. <laughs> That's my big tip for nerds. Really? Marsh is doing a face like... Well, I, I, I'm confused because actually all the customization options partly fell flat for me because I really liked the initial... Yeah. customization yeah. of all of them and it was really weird like i was like oh great i picked up a new thing i'll go to it and i'm like oh no i prefer the original color scheme they designed <laughs> like, it like, too loads. well <laughs> yeah. well because you have an iconic lightsaber apparently yeah and then you can fuck <laughs> right. it up yeah but I, I like that for lightsaber and my coat pretty much after like the third upgrades that i got for it and also the ship that you go around in i liked all of the ones that came yeah Yeah. i um i picked a different poncho for every mission because i'm a huge (laughs) (laughs) we'll take this one and and i was on the last mission of the game and pip came in and she was like what are you doing i started playing star wars and she was like well what can you do in star wars i was like well look at how many ponchos i've got (laughs) and um and she was like well you've picked the wrong one haven't you no this is an appropriate poncho because I'm doing a stealth mission. <laughs> and she was like... Did you pick the camo one? No, I picked the, the black one. For oh, the last yeah, mission. that's reasonable. Yeah, like, cause it felt oh, right. Well, that, that one it felt right yeah. for lots of reasons that were important <laughs> to me at the time. So, and Pip was like, why didn't you have that one? That one's blue. And I was like, well, I, it just doesn't feel right. And I had this moment. Uh, did you go with uh, a blue lightsaber or a green lightsaber? Green. 
Yeah, you can't go. There's a red one as well. Like, blue from the start. I just like blue. I love. I like the blue as well. Yeah. I was, that for some part of my brain that like was literally blown when Luke had a green lightsaber in Return of the Jedi. Right, so and I will always replicate. pick a green lightsaber for myself. <laughs> the significant light on lightsaber upgrades in this game are fucking awesome. They yeah, are fucking so, rad. They yeah. are fucking great. Yeah, that the lightsaber is. I don't. I don't think we quite. Did justice enough about how good the lightsaber is in terms of just mm. like given it's the most prominent what about the cutty thing the cutty it, bit that's going through the wall and it's, it's cutty cutty it's your good hot sword that you get to customise and it sounds and looks fucking amazing and reflecting storm like bolts back at stormtroopers yeah. is fucking amazing I like, think they did a good a job as well though, pleasure in this game the old Star Wars video game problem and I appreciate we've been talking about this for 400 years yes that's um, true two hours actually oh, oh my shit. god and three minutes, 26 Sorry, seconds. Sorry, four people on the podcast. But Star Wars games have always run the gum up between either make the lightsabers feel like they do in the movies, mm. in which case you have to deal with the fact, the, the problem of lethality all the time. Yeah. And the sort of Knights of the Republic issue of like, it's just a foam baton. And you're just beating <laughs> yeah. someone to death slowly with a foam baton. Um, yeah. uh, and I think this is a really good job of finding the middle ground. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it is a centrist video game. <laughs> It finds the middle ground between Dark Souls and Uncharted. It finds the middle ground between lightsaber cut arm off and lightsaber slice goat in half sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is this the, the Joe Swinton of cutting goats it in is. half? It's, 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 yeah. This is the... Um, this, yeah. That's the final word on... Yeah. <laughs> the, the ultimate lesson of the Jedi... Pur- the, um, the, the, the The ultimate lesson of the Jedi Purge... You know, Ryan Johnson, be damned, turns out to have been steady on now, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and I think they've done phenomenally well at that. No, Navigating I that I agree. interim space. Phenomenally, 7 out of 10, well. 8. Agreed. <laughs> Would be 8, but has bad technical problems. Shall we do some questions from the question? Yes, we shall. Absolutely. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. To the, the people's too much Aldi rum. <laughs> Aldi little, rum. Little rum. David Bowie Orchestra. Thanks. Um, it's made me sweat from every part of my body. <laughs> <laughs> We're on Spotify now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a thing you can search for and find. Luke writes, Hello, Crate Podcast Talking and Crowbar Drinking Answering. Cruel of you to write that. Bold of me to say it all. <laughs> I haven't played Death Stranding yet, but videos of it and discussions around it have made me think a lot. Uh, oh, sorry, hang on. No, fuck. Have <laughs> <laughs> made me think about Too something bold. I think of quite a lot. They've made you think about something you think about a lot. I have drank a lot of this rum. <laughs> How dare you write this? <laughs> it's, it's made me think about something I think of a lot mm. in games <laughs> good and their pursuit of something more <laughs> do you mean he thinks about these things only in games yeah no he thinks about this thing he thinks about a lot look I don't but want the to things he thinks guy. are in games it's not fair of us but to fucking he in games, but he's so not he thinking about, about the things, things, things. things. yeah exactly yeah. we've got to get through this There's... guys <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair like we haven't earned the Tony Ellis killstreak reward yet I think so this we... deserves no, some true. really close reading actually <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and that is the idea <laughs> what's the idea of inconvenience and friction in mm. play 
Luke, I'm very sorry that this is happening. <laughs> uh, a lot of Death Stranding, from what I can see, seems to entail planning routes through tough terrain, trying to batter through as the crow flies. Almost <laughs> crow is famous for their battery. <laughs> 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 the giant helmets and their dive bombing. Oh, the and Actually, crow. I tell you what, I looked out the window earlier today and there was a huge bird war occurring outside. <laughs> this happens around here. Like there were the, it was it was like a five different front war. Like the crows were fucked up by by the magpies. Yeah, the magpies were annoyed at the seagulls. The seagulls were just going after any fucking sparrow that it could see. There were jays involved. It was it was <laughs> honest. I mean, in literal sense, wild. As my as my my friend Matt Shepard pointed out, um, jays are the special characters of magpies. You can, you can take one jay in a unit of ten magpies. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, for bonuses, uh-huh. uh, this is oh, the... do, when you get the video game version. Do they are they in the special edition? Yeah, they're on unlock. They get yeah. it from Poncho. Um, yeah, this is this is the 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 bird war bird wolf. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I don't want to distract from this question that I'll get back to in a second. Yeah. But also, I feel really bad that we've dunked on this question already without having read it. So I'm going to talk about. I didn't crows. Even understand it. It's fine. Um, no. So I don't have to tell the story in the podcast. When I was still living here, I looked out the window. Pip and mm-hmm. I were looking out the window, watching a baby crow learn to fly, which is the best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Look out for it around spring if you're still in this house. It's amazing. They use this little green outside to learn to fly. And then someone who was walking their dog off the lead uh, lost control of the dog. Dog ran and just snapped at a baby crow, and it was very, very hard to tell whether the baby crow had actually been bitten. Um, but it turns out that crows play dead. Really? Yeah. Oh. And so the dog lost interest. The owner got control. And Pip and I were, Pip was devastated. We were looking out the window. It looked like a mauled baby crow. One wing in the air. And I walked outside to see if it was all right. See if I could phone the RS, you know, um, PB and, you know, try and help. Mm. And the most incredible soundscape happened where, so the moment this dog attacked, apparently adult, the parent crows will watch the baby while it's learning, teaching itself to fly. It was walking up the little steps of people's houses and flapping a few feet and then walking up again and trying it again. They descended on this dog straight away and then started circling. One of them did a flyby of the, the, the crow. And I thought that meant it was dead. that They'd lost interest, but the magpies started to like assume position around, create this bizarre soundscape of chattering Oh wow! in this like weird sort of pentagramic sonic zone. Huh. And I walked over and I realized that the crow that was lying on the ground that looked for all intents and purposes dead with a broken wing was looking around with one of its eyes, oh. like just glancing about. And then I waited a bit and couldn't get through to the RSVB because it was a Sunday night. And then after a little bit of time, I just hopped up and walked off. And it was genuinely amazing. And this wow. kind of weird Corvid soundscape dissipated. Wow. Have you been here when the, when the jackdaws have descended? I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure you have. Yeah. Done. yeah. They have a re, there's, there's sometimes been like, I would say hundreds of jackdaws easily in the sky. Not quite sure mm. it's thousands, wow. but definitely the sky is fucking full of jackdaws and they're all emitting this really kind of weird resonant kind of boink noise basically. <laughs> it is it, it has it, it has that kind of bouncing directional sound right. that mm. a boink does. And uh it, f- it feels really weird when you're being bombarded by it from like multiple directions. It's a really weird sonic soundscape. Wow. Has my um, um now that you I don't know what it means. Has Sorry. your has my idiot son returned? Your idiot son? I mean there's many of your idiot sons, I would say, Chris. <laughs> so uh your idiot sons are basically baby crows now who have no. grown up. Right? Oh, they're blackbirds. 
Well, so my, oh, blackbirds. My, I thought they were crows. I'm sorry. Oh, no. My, 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 so my original idiot son, and I feel like we've got miles off this question. We will return to it. It's very important. Um, was digression. a blackbird that I used to note in the garden who would sing for a mate, presumably, mm-hmm. all the time. But his song was fucking stupid and it didn't <laughs> seem to work. It was this crow that would sit on a post outside. A crow or a blackbird? Oh, sorry, a blackbird. And it would go... And it wasn't working for him. And one day I walked outside, there's a post in the back garden and it was sat on the back on the post with its wings down, looking at the sky with its mouth open, (laughs) just frozen. And I thought it had died in like the stupidest fucking way. And then so, and Pip was worried as well. So we looked it up and it turns out that blackbirds bask in the sun. Uh, They will turn to face the sun. They'll flay their wings out so they can, they can warm their feathers and they'll bask. And I'm like, okay, fine. He's not a fucking idiot. He's he's having a moment with the sun. That's great. And then a few weeks later, I saw a female blackbird doing the same thing with infinitely more poise. <laughs> Beak was closed. Wings were fanned out nicely, not at weird angles. And I realized there's this idiot blackbird in the back garden that I've grown peculiarly attached to. Then he vanished for a, a wintering and, and, and returned, I think, with a mate, which is a fucking miracle. <laughs> And in doing, I, I related very profoundly to this. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I don't know where that blackbird's gone. Maybe it's still out there. It's though. probably died, but the, um, but the, but maybe having succeeded by going ah, 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 yeah. all day, it might have. It has finally found yeah, a mate. Yeah, it's marginally yeah, more intelligent. Progeny are still yeah. still yeah. around, and maybe they learned its father's song. Maybe. You know, the ancient song. Um, ah. uh, Luke. Nonetheless, wrote <laughs> a lot of Death Stranding, from what I can see, seems to entail planning routes through tough terrain. Trying to batter through as the crow flies among uh, almost always seems to result in losing cargo or being able to un- unable to traverse areas. This reminds me of the way the Breath of the Wild similarly pushes back against your desire to traverse as you wish, with a stamina gauge, various temperature effects, and the oft-derided rain, which makes climbing basically impossible. This is a reasonable point. I'm sorry that I used to digress to talk about crows and backbirds. Um, because we play games to enjoy ourselves, is resistance and inconvenience impossible to implement out of a need for frictionless play? I'm sure there's an argument to be made here that a lack of friction heavily reduces the ability for a game to portray certain disabilities in a narrative, and overall it can flatten the texture of a world, making it something to merely witness and enjoy than tangibly interact with, and at worst perhaps mastery of traversal ties directly to an anthropocentric relationship with the natural world. Perhaps that's a little too lofty to discuss X units of alcohol deep. Thank you very much. (laughs) So what do you think about resistance and inconvenience in games? Is it possible to achieve in a thoughtful way without being irritating or does desire for smoothness of play fundamentally undercut it? All the best. Uh, Luke Discord question poster writer. Hmm. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Question done. Thank you. uh, Like the classic example is um, Animal Crossing, which is a game all about friction mm-hmm. and about restricting you from doing things and making you walk around slowly yeah. and kind of time blocking stuff and making you wait for times of year. Like that is, I and mean, it proves to me that you can do whatever the fuck you want as long as players like are on with it. You know, mm. it's friction. I think real friction exists when. Uh, like bad, the bad friction exists when 
the the game is asking you to do things which you don't feel in tune with yeah. the thing you want it to right. be doing. And like, mm. so that means that, that, that Death Stranding can make you walk across the Hebrides, like across Iceland multiple mm. times because you've formed a pact with it that that's what you want and you want to listen yeah. to a row roar. Nobody I've spoken to who's, who's played Death Stranding, none of them have a problem with the fact that the traversal is arduous. Yeah. They can, like everybody who has a, has a problem with it has problems with it for completely different reasons. The arduousness of it is clearly signposted as part of that game, right? Absolutely. So I think so friction is like when, when often people talk about friction, they don't quite no, like it's it's a bit of a misnomer. Where I think real friction, often hard to tell. Like real friction is when a game's just being a dickhead. You know, it's not making you right. do something boring necessarily. Mm. It's just being a dickhead, and it's not in accord. Whereas, like the stuff that on the outside looks boring, isn't in fact friction. Well, know? friction. I mean, in a in a kind of literal taking of that metaphor, can either be where you literally engage with the surface of a game or it can be where a surface stops you from acting mm, yeah. and like one of those is bad and one of those is good one of them creates heat <laughs> <laughs> can we think of examples of frictionless games i'm thinking of things like proteus where mm. you just glide around and what happens happens but i think but you could but then the friction in that one is like oh God, the walk speed's a bit slow i want to get how to do the I get singing to tree right yeah. but also like uh, I'm going to sound like a huge twat, but um, I think he said, well, weirdly. He's his rod. The microphone stand, Alex, you, the word you wanted to say, this is an audio medium. Not everyone has the visual context you do for the record. <laughs> the microphone stand. Um, the, fuck. the, uh, my brain has emptied of <laughs> no what was i going to say the thing i was going to say is games basically are friction like yeah, interactivity okay. is in inherently carries uh fiction the great lie of the this doesn't have explicit challenge mechanics therefore it's not a game issue is not that uh things without challenge aren't games it's that nothing is without challenge actually mm. um Everything carries in challenge, whether it's an interpretive challenge or simply a appreciative, like a critical challenge or a problem solving challenge. The fact that we're so used to games positing a problem solving or kind of reaction based challenge is simply a sign of the thinness of the medium to that point Mm -hmm. rather than its actual potential. Interactivity means every kind of interaction. So it Proteus, for example, is a perfect example. Yes, it doesn't challenge you technically or mechanically, but it challenges you to find your own meaning within it. And that's not necessarily easy. It's not easy for everyone to walk into a environment of singing trees and go, I understand what I'm going to take from this. The the interaction, and this might sound twatty because it kind of is, is similar to that of an interaction with an obtuse text because it's about going into it and figuring out what you think it means. That is a mm. challenge that we should lord rather than kind of demonize as not a game or whatever. Like the reason people were wrong to say it wasn't a game wasn't anything to do with the fact it's lack of mechanical challenge. But similarly, the defense that games don't require a challenge to be games, it may be not wholly true either. It's just that challenge can arrive in a lot of different forms. Mm. I think it's remarkable that you said that after the amount of Aldi realm you've just drunk. Look, the problem with me <laughs> as a human well, well is said. that this this shit comes out after that amount of rum, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't tap into it otherwise. That's extremely well said, actually. That's one of the best things I've heard said on the Great Crowbar. Jesus Christ! Yeah, 
Ah, thanks, I Luke. I don't Good remember. Job, I don't remember what I just said. <laughs> I, think you said I think you said the skin Proteus. of the banana is soft. You said like, and yet I must no. pull at it. <laughs> yeah. I think there is there is an interesting problem with presenting nature in games, which is uh, just irreducible in that they, all games are in some way. Uh, what's the phrase he used? Is it anthropocentric? Anth- anthropocent. Uh, ooh, Anth- it's spicy, and my iPhone no longer recognizes my thumbprint. Bear with me. <laughs> Fuck. Chris has changed. The, the sweats have come out. <laughs> oh God! They've erased his. Oh fingerprint. no! What's my What's my birthday? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, the phrase was. I can't read. <laughs> oh my god, he's gone blind. <laughs> nope. Well, His take was too hot. Oh, <laughs> yeah. His take was too strong. Uh, but, 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 but. Oh, oh, no. Uh, uh, that perhaps a mastery of traversal that your comfort navigating a, a world, the fact that, you know, Lara Croft exists in a world and then even the new Tomb Raiders where she's supposed to be being tortured, um, by her experience where the god of zip lines is always with her. Yeah, but what's the what's the phrase? The anthropocentric ties directly into an anthropocentric. Anthropocentric. Let's have all have. There you go. Yeah, The scat version of that. This folk, this acid folk scat group will find its place at last. Yeah, I mean, designing environments so that they feel very natural and also anthropocentric is is hard and. I don't know that there is a fun game that has yet been designed around game around terrain which is completely resists humanity, which is what terrain fucking is in reality. <laughs> mm. Terrain has never been designed for people. That's not what terrain's function but is. We have been designed for terrain. Well, only certain kinds of terrain. We've been designed for a very th- survival with an incredibly slim, th- slim, slim, slim sliver of thanks, little <laughs> of survival in this globe's. Uh, you can't go too high. You can't go too low. We do ever so well. Why do you have to be so dumping on us? <laughs> we're, we're we're great. I'm, I'm sure thanks, we're mate. great. Apart from Thank all the you. terrible things we do, but yeah. at the same time, our survivability is quite limited to a, 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 a quite a, a thin range of the globe's potential ecosystem. Is this you complaining that you have to wear clothes? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what it comes down to. I don't understand why I was banned from Lidl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only designed for a certain band of survivability. I screams. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> in as the I fridge section. That's the off-brand fucking booze in my hand. <laughs> This is the environment that has been created for me to survive in. Why would I require additional tools? This is a little, the most hospitable environment on earth. I can live here for many years. <laughs> but I, I didn't you find uh, uh, the way that landscapes are presented to be really interesting because I think it's very culturally specific how we interpret landscapes. And uh, in the UK, certainly, like, um, landscapes, even the wilderness has a certain kind of tameness to it, which mm. which mm. doesn't exist, which sort of kind of exists, but in a schizophrenic way in the States. So in the UK, you can go up the, the tallest mountain in the UK and you can fall off it and you can land in somebody's back garden, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And in the States... It's a slalom puzzle, <laughs> like... Yeah. But but at the same time, those environments are, are genuinely dangerous, and they're mm. kind of flagged up as being dangerous. Whereas in the states, everything is has wheelchair access as your basic level, 
But then beyond that, you step off the path and you're completely fucked. Like there's nothing for you. Mm. Humanity is not being considered in any way. And you can plunge thousands and thousands of meters into a deep ravine and literally never be found. And you'll be only like 12 minutes away from the wheelchair accessible path. And it's, it's this weird, um, dichotomy. <coughs> Uh, in the states between these two kind of landscapes which exist one for people and one for not people and i i don't think games have really articulated that like everything in games is obviously for people and it's mm. designed yeah. for accessibility and for traversal I, I don't know that you can really create a, a kind of exciting game around the complete thwarting of that idea mm. the complete like puncturing of human existence and human agency like Games are all about agency, and the natural landscape is a pretty much like a complete fuck you to agency yeah, as as right. a as a thing. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, so that's, that's what that's I think. Good, yeah. <laughs> the worst thing I ever encountered hiking was not like long drops and stuff because, like, if you've got good boots and your feet are sure, you're probably all right. Um, and that's talking of uh, you know walking around England and Scotland and stuff like that, which is obviously not America. Uh, but the worst thing that we encountered was um, when it got dark, we hadn't quite made it to the town that we wanted to get to. So we went into uh, a woods to put up some tents and sleep there for the night. And um, the kind of leader of our group, Neil, just said, wait, we've got to stop. And he shone his flashlight down and there was a tripwire made of rope. And then his flashlight followed the tripwire up. There was a giant hanging log. What the, what the fuck? fuck? Where Ewoks. were you? Um, <laughs> this, this is in uh, Office Dyke uh, really? area of, of Wales. Yeah, um, Office Dyke is an absolutely gorgeous part of the world, and uh, people there are just incredibly friendly. It's very easy to hitchhike around. <laughs> well, some of them, unless Apparently some of them aren't. Unless you uh, like go into some farmer's land and try and camp in some uh, camp in some woods. Uh, so we, we yup yup motherfucker. <laughs> we, <laughs> Obviously, like, we, we were very, like, clean-minded. We were always going to clear our stuff up and we were going to light any fires or anything. It was just literally a place to sleep. Yeah. Um, but just that the hanging log there was this terrifying idea that they just would be happy if one of us died. And Well, they would also go to prison for that, like, pretty good. Would, would they, though? Like, like how... They, they couldn't argue that the tree killed someone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> They, they, they set up booby traps. They set, set up actual booby traps on That's a insane. fringe piece of wood. And it wasn't even a large piece of wood. Um, so we uh, we went slightly deeper in and we camped there anyway. Uh, but the next day we sort of went around and it's like, there were like two or three of these things. Wow. And it was just the paranoia of this one farmer it, like could have I killed us. I'm sure they went there to catch, like, I don't know. Wombats? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was... It was it was there to kill humans because it was at ankle height and it was a, a tree that was going to come down right into your chest. Like that was fuck, fuck. That was how it was designed. Could a fufa staying there anyway? Sorry, in murder forest. <laughs> yeah. well, we, we had to stay there because like it, it's pitch black. Like if like true darkness is a thing that you discover when you're hiking. Like yeah, there yeah. are no street lights. Like mm. it's absolute pitch black, and you don't. We didn't have like phones with torches on like we had some torches obviously but like that's still no way to travel you can still injure yourself terribly you yeah. just walk in pitch black um so we had to stay there um and then, and yeah a bunch of us had really weird dreams that night and there was some like shouting in our sleep and stuff like that because oh did you report it to anybody no we didn't no you probably should because they should. are murderers <laughs> yeah waiting we, we carried on uh we carried on um and 
just got to another lovely office like town and ate some cream teas <laughs> and just sort of enjoyed our, the rest of our <laughs> I trip. Really, I, I'm, but, I'm enjoying, I think the last couple of episodes of your appearances on the podcast, Tom, have started to flesh out my mindset, <laughs> which is that someone sits moves directly from a reserve seat into an unreserved seat on the train. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Someone sets a series of death traps for teen hikers. Fair enough. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like, I don't really want, we don't really want to mess with whoever that is. Like, right. We yeah. probably should. You might have. set traps for me as I, <laughs> I, I think the, the, the difference is, is that I was 33 when I shouted that, that man on the train. And if I was 33 at the time that we'd done that trip, I would have called every single authority and being a total. Oh, after how old were you when you did that? Oh, probably like 23. Oh, that's okay. I mean, you're stupid then, right? Yeah, exactly. No. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry to all the 23 so like, year old Oh, it's listeners. part of the adventure. Oh, oh it's, it's part of the lovely. No, it's fine. In, in relish the fact that you're a big dumb idiot now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still alive, <laughs> thankfully. So uh, that's the main thing. Anyway, that was. How do we get onto that? I don't know. Kane writes, "Ahoy, hoy!" It's it's long been the conclusion of the world's foremost experts. This is very kind of Kane to write that the Crate and Crowbar has the best episode titles of any podcast. But often, an episode produces multiple title-worthy phrases, and you may have had to discard titles you really liked in favor of the one that was eventually chosen. For example, consider these quotes, each of which would have made a great title. And I quote, I accidentally exfiltrated a king. It's mostly wanking. <laughs> a kiddie manga version of a guffball snorefest. What was that? <laughs> Walloping howdies. <laughs> He's got a bone in every slot. Chill, America, don't fuck with time. <laughs> and... It shook something terrible out of me. There was some kind of, I don't know, horrible Cthulian monster that eventually emerged from me and shook itself free and disappeared into the bowels of the earth. That must have been Marsh. It has to have been. I don't yeah. remember that. It was either Marsh or me, and I don't remember saying it. Yeah, I reckon it must be. Um, yeah. What are some of your favourite almost episode titles from previous episodes regards to Kane? Well, there's kind of art to this because... Um, I think Marsh is looking some stuff up now because it's this is a question that's basically impossible to answer because you make a decision you forget about it forever mm. yeah. but um, there are some considerations like if there's a good phrase but has a swear word in it probably not going to be a title because go and get censored on YouTube and so on uh, made some exceptions to that but very rarely so for the last episode only these were the uh, the options for the pod title uh, that's mass for sexy Seven Degrees of Shit Adjacent, obviously, McClunky, uh, Steve, Al Steve Algorithm Does It Again, which is obviously the Victorious. <laughs> that was a hot, yeah, that was the hot uh, favourite. Uh, Occam Sockham Robots. <laughs> uh, don't Open with a Gentle Shoggoth, which I think we probably would have gone had we not got on Spotify yeah. and thought that might well was, kick us off Spotify. I was really into that one. <laughs> or, or both at YouTube as well. YouTube does censor, uh, titles. We've had that problem. Well, YouTube in the past. just introduced a whole bunch of new things to consider. So. Has it? Yeah. Well, uh, actually, no, it well, hasn't. Because we were never, never, ever thinking about flagging this as something that was appropriate for children. Yeah. Uh, but that. they, YouTube has just attempted to become COPA compliant. And boy, howdy, that's a thing that's hard for YouTube to do. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, also for the last episode, Emperor Pippletine annihilates everything I care annihilates. about. Annihilates. Annihilates. <laughs> well, annihilates. Annihilates is fine. <laughs> Uh, the Dobby of Wanking, also, <laughs> also a popular podcast title. That's a good one. And probably the most apt, uh, for the last episode. Such deletable content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So we had to pick from one of those. And, uh, yeah, we did. Democracy won. Yep. Yeah. Everybody I was lost. When I'm editing the podcast, um, I feel I, I don't like to pick a title if I said it. Yeah. Because it feels weird. Hmm. So I would always go for something else someone else said. And if that helps the Doesn't only person really. who cares about this cane to <laughs> map the decision making process. Well, our, our next and, and probably final question, because we've been here forever, is from Noah. His subject line is, I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, uh, a Garth Marenghi quote, I believe. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Uh, Noah writes, uh, dear uh, Kaha and Barilla, I've been listening since episode one, uh, bringing into stark relief the harsh grip of time, almost as in- inescapable as death stranding discourse. <laughs> My thoughts are thus led to categorizing things in unwise ways. I feel like most people have an internal sensor constantly monitoring their output, separate from creativity or talent. When people with a strong sensor make good art, always good in the same way, without sensor, it's hard to tell if it's even coherent. Gotta say, that paragraph has a sexy semicolon in the middle of it, and I'm not sure how I'm supposed to read that, so I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) People with strong internal sensors make art like The Last of Us, Gree, or The Revenant. People with no internal sensor make Katamari Damacy, Death Stranding, or Star Wars. Am I off base here? Yours truly, Old Dog Watcher. I don't think he's wrong, but his examples are completely wrong, as far as I can tell. Maybe, De- I mean, Death Stranding is obviously somebody who doesn't have a sensor. I think Death Stranding is fair, though. Yeah. I don't I know think- that Star Wars is no, a good example. Star Wars is a weird example, because Star Wars is such a composite thing mm. like star wars is not george Lu- like the prequels are george lucas going off on one without anyone to tell him no certainly yeah but that is that but they themselves are built off of a previous set of films that were hugely collaborative but also as we said you know there i mean in a literal sense there's a very strong regulation in terms of what they can and cannot depict in terms of i mean in, in just in terms of violence for example yeah yeah you know, uh, bisecting animals, fine. Bisecting people, no, 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 no. I will tell you this, though, and this is a bit of an aside, and fuck knows we need more of them. Apart from uh, Darth Maul, obviously. Um, yeah. I have recently rewatched all the prequels. Uh, in, in I'm terms- so sorry. <laughs> well, so I've been having an experience recently where me and a few friends want to try and watch all of the films before the new one comes out. But the only time we can all find that's free to do this is before work. So I've been getting up at like six in the morning and walking to a friend's office to watch a Star Wars prequel at seven in the morning. Um, which I enjoy the absurdity of it because my time is meaningless <laughs> and I, I, I'm past the point where I'm, I could really make a final accounting of the worth of anything I did. <laughs> so this is a sort of dirty protest against time and entropy <laughs> in equal measure. But it did lead to me watching the Revenge of the Sith at seven in the morning. And I realized something that I've seen that film a couple of times, obviously, but the whole fucking Anakin murders some children bit <laughs> gets more horrifying the older you get genuinely hmm. because it, there's not a lot to, it's not graphic but there's a scene of really frightened five and six year olds looking to Hayden Christensen for help and he glowers at them and lights a lightsaber and they look afraid 
And it's actually surprisingly brutal and massively disproportionate to every other brutal act in Star Wars. In terms of its, like, implications. Like, they double down later on with the scene where Obi-Wan says, this child was killed with a lightsaber, not a blast around. And it's actually kind of weird. It's like, it actually weirdly, retroactively makes Vader completely irredeemable. Which undoes the entire point of the original films. Because it's suddenly like, that's actually a really fucking crazy thing to do. That's not a product of momentary dark side pragmatism or military necessity. That's open, murderous, child skewering cruelty. And you literally don't get to come back from that. So that's a weird example of where like one person being allowed to go like, I think this will commute, like that I think is must be George Lucas's ability to only communicate this character is bad now through the worst possible act. Mm. Right. Yeah. But it's interesting how much it punctures the fabric of the entire thing as a momentary example of like completely unchecked bollocks <laughs> entering into a universe that's already quite tight or always or, 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 or otherwise quite tightly policed. Mm. Should we talk about the other examples given? So the examples given of uh, games made with a strong sense of an internal sensor are The Last of Us, Gree and The Revenant. Yeah, it's kind of like because they're all very mannered. Like Gree is like. I'm going to make art in the way that people accept what art is and like, so it's going to look is this nice. The game, G-R-I-S, I, oh, yeah. I would have thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, mean, don't, I don't feel like that's been heavily policed or censored in, in no, a no, I think, way. I, no, I think by, by internal censor, I think it means, you know, like there's art when you're sort of being totally like, I'm just going to express myself openly if you would just come with me on the ride. Mm. And, that, like, and then there's the, <laughs> and then there's the, oh, what does everybody else say art is? Right, I'll do that then. And you kind of go, no, can't have that in it because it's not art. So that would be the grist <laughs> right. thing, right? And that's how, but that's how I mm. would interpret the yeah, internal sensor thing. Mm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, like Revenant is like, how, oh, let's make a, let's make a film about a struggle. I mean, it's going to be very, well, it's going to be Revenant. Yeah. yeah. Revenant is a particularly sort of very boring manly struggle that is replicated in films all the oh, time. Oh, I enjoyed it's it. Deep, it deep, there's deep. so many, there's so many different kinds of liquids that end up <laughs> in those beards. Like, I mean, there's bodily liquids, there's other kinds of liquids. It really is All liquid beard mm. conundrum. Is is I, I can't believe horrible. that's not the title they went with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe the, the title ones? we go with. <laughs> what are the other the other films in there? In the, um, the so the other, the other well, the other works works uh, works, works, works 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 in there are the Last of Us. Uh, and for for what? Sorry, controlled for, experiences. For a demonstration basically? of strong internal sensors and for the benefit of the podcast who can't see the word i'm looking at that's c-e-n-s-o-r-s not sensor oh, right. as in yeah. detector it's sensor as in uh controlling sort of filter but the for, for the opposite side as well what was there, there was one the opposite strongly of it was with katamari it. damacy yeah, Destiny, see, which is I completely fucking wrong yeah sorry, katamari sorry damacy not. is is a is a is a very pointed i mean i i think the the level of expression and that is very mm. intentional i don't think there is uh uh like a lack of control over what they're doing in that game that level of expression, exactly what they express is entirely... But, uh, I think that people sort of often take it sort of like breezy frivolity that's from the thing, it, even yeah. though it's actually sort of, you know, there's a well, quite a pointed incre- message yeah. to it. You can confuse a frivolous tone with like an actual yeah. um, directness of design that mm. obviously Katamari Dempsey has. Like it just has one sort of mechanic and 
that's what it's all about. And just because it's dressed up in nice music doesn't mean it's frivolous and it lacks artistic direction. In fact, it might have tremendous artistic direction, but it wants to do yeah. this particular thing. It, just because there's like the ability to yeah. mop up a lot of stuff in it doesn't mean that stuff wasn't pre-selected carefully. Right. Yeah, or, or even the, the you know the, obviously the, the 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 king of the cosmos is an unusual creation, but that is a very precise esoteric design. I don't think that's a result of just freewheeling chaos. Mm. You know. Mm. Mm. I th- again i think i think that really the censoriousness is really about doing what you want they want you doing what you want to do not doing what you feel other people expect you to do to do art oh i see oh in that case maybe that is an example of something I, that I is think, less yeah i think there's there's a key thing that's in this question that is hard to pass partly grammatically but it's the idea that when people with a strong sense of make good art it's almost good in the same way and when it's without a sensor, it's hard to tell if it's even coherent, which is, I think, there's something, there is something there, I think, in the idea that there's a commonly accepted idea of what a good artistic video game looks like in terms of what it communicates. Yeah, you read, you read most things about Gris and it's like, yeah, like everyone just goes, oh, it looks beautiful. It's art. It's a, got a message. It's, it's art. Mm hmm. But like you can like I I would say something like uh, the Katamite Stephen Katamite like uh, mm. Katamite stuff would be like they that is work which is se- like self-expressive yeah accor- like according to its own rules and you either go with it or you you don't because you you know like you resist it or you're not interested or whatever mm. and like and just whatever you you know is expressive of its maker I think that would be a good example of that shit. Mm. 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 Well, that is all of the questions we have time for because we talked about Star Wars <laughs> A lot. for 8,000 years. <laughs> if you'd like to send us a question um, for a future episode of the podcast, you can do so by emailing us at questions at crateandcrowbar.com, which is our preferred method, or tweeting us at crate and crowbar. All of our episodes are uploaded to YouTube, youtube.com forward slash crate and crowbar which is the only place where you get to leave a comment. Imagine that degree of freedom to enter the discourse on your own terms and execute your will in a place where no one will see it. <laughs> Incredible. It's like writing a note to yourself and just throwing it at your bedroom window. You'll never know where it goes. The crows will eat it. Crows will eat it. Mm. Crows will eat it. But you know what crows can't eat? Money. Because they have no sense of its value and it's predominantly transmitted digitally. One way that you can transmit money digitally is via Patreon. <laughs> nice. Uh, patreon.com forward slash create and crowbar is where you find out about how to support the podcast. Thank you to everyone who signed up recently. We had quite a wave of new supporters. God yes, knows why. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, but you should know at this point in time that you are linked to at least a dozen other people in your little moment in history, in your questionable decision making. And your imminent regret. Uh, many thanks. You can and also sorry. tell your great, great, great grandchildren about it. Yeah. Or, exactly. or lament not getting to tell your great, 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 great grandfather about right. it. Right. This is a decision that passes forwards and backwards in time, just an extremely limited duration on a cadence of about a month. <laughs> <laughs> With however many grandparents or grandchildren you gain or lose in that period. <laughs> Constant attrition. <laughs> 
It is. But that's time, isn't it, Alex? Mm. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Or oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our resident boomer. <laughs> Creaking with every gesture. Not far off, boomer. No, you're not, not. far off. No, you're a, you're a am, valiant Gen Xer. Yeah, I am. The Gen the, X. The, the boomer among us. Yeah. <laughs> the boomer among us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Us, us early millennials <laughs> pretending we're not basically Gen Xers, looking at you in fear, wondering what's next. <laughs> Deep, isn't it? The uh, what else have I missed? Why haven't I said Discord? We have a lovely Discord community where they make sense of all this and talk about more interesting things. Find that link on our website, creatingcrowbar.com. And finally, it falls to us to disclose our own Twitter handles where you might uh, connect with us on For more content LinkedIn. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am on Twitter at uh, C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N. That's C Thurston. Marsh. I'm Marsh Davies. Or Davis, if you pronounce it correctly. But Davies, if you want to mispronounce it, but also have a clue how to spell it. Incredible. Alex? On LinkedIn, I think I'm A Wiltshire. Ooh. Oh. 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 Oh, I have no it's, idea what I'm on LinkedIn. Really. There's something exciting about logging into LinkedIn and seeing that lots of people have requested yeah. to be in your network, is yeah. there not? Yeah. No. It's uh, exciting. No, you're right. There is. <laughs> Tom? Uh, I'm Tom Senior, and if you're playing Soul Calibur 6 and you see a skeleton in full plate metal armor with a bright red pop collar and a cape who is called McClunky <laughs> with an exclamation mark at the end, I made that. Kill him. You're welcome. Uh, my just handle, just handle is PCG Lujo. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. There you Honk. go. Honk. 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 McClunky. McHonky. McHonky. That's racist, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not again. <laughs>